Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. have found your way to Friday afternoon, 24 Feb, day one of uh, New Zealand taking on England at the greatest test cricket venue in New Zealand. Does that hit a nerve with anyone? I think it is. You're allowed to choose one. I've chosen the base and I think it's wonderful. We'll catch up with Daniel McCarty um, when they've just gone to lunch to get his view. Of course, he is there live commentating for Talk Sports. So it'll be great to hook up with our cricket commentator, Daniel McCarty. 140-ish, Hugh Bainan on the Tall Blacks taking on Saudi Arabia tonight. That is tipping off at 7, so watch the cricket till 6. Christchurch folk can go and support the Tall Blacks taking on the Saudis. Jeremy Paul Show, our weekly very much anticipated chat, will be previewing particularly the Australian teams, I think. Um, what's he seen over there as we are about to kick off with Super... Gosh, it's all at once, isn't it? Super Rugby tonight. Test match on at the moment. Tall Blacks playing. NRL next week. A week away from the ANZ Premiership. It's all go. It is all go. Uh, and then the big highlight interview of the day is uh, Tim Benithan. He is a big surf, a big wave surfing documentary maker, filmmaker. He chases big waves all around the globe and he's been doing it for about 30 years. And I've followed him on Instagram for a long time and I just love the stuff he puts up. But, you know, I watch, I watch a lot of surfing and that big wave stuff is freaky. And I was just watching one last night on my phone and then he, as I was watching it, I got a notification that he was doing an Instagram live. So I clicked on it and he's just saying, here I am and he's doing his update. I went, bugger it. So I sent him a message. I said, can we have a chat tomorrow? And he went, yep, good as gold. So I'm very much looking forward to that. That's just after three o'clock, uh, Tim uh, Benighton. And also we have the Vault today, which is up to $150. That'll be 240 ish 245 Stay tuned for that $150 TRB bonus bet up for grabs. There was some ground made yesterday, as there always is. You get five questions today. And it's been narrowed down enough you might be able to sneer it. Mitch McLennigan, you're not eligible because he guessed it yesterday. Um, so he's not eligible. Um, what else have we got? We've got our normal TRB odds update. Jimmy Smith from across the ditch. He'll be before we round out the show. Um, so a whole lot going on. But we are going to bring you updates on the cricket right through the show with this. How's that? You missed 
So, Manaya, um, you're our cricket desk uh, for the next four hours. Update, please. England are 53 for three after 13 overs. Uh, Matt Henry doing the damage, taking all three of those wickets. Sorry, two of those wickets. Southie getting one of them as well. Bracewell taking an absolute screamer with what seemed to be just his extended middle finger <laughs> that he caught one of those um, wickets with. But, man, hasn't it been invigorating to watch that after the last test? Mm, oh, I know. Yeah, that catch, that, that reminded me, I think it was the 2005 Ashes series. There was yeah, a similar catch. You were saying that, yeah. <laughs> um, I forget who that was. I do too. That was the first thing you said as soon as that happened, yeah. Uh, no, the Crook Info <laughs> have been on, on form they today as well. They have been on absolute fire. Whoever their writer is said uh, that the wicket was going to be very... T- oh, he said, good luck balling on that. Yeah. Good and luck. they have, haven't been able to. Haven't been able to. We want to get your thoughts on the cricket or super rugby or whatever. We're going to leave it open today. Um, I see Dino's waiting online. We'll get to you shortly, Dino. But you can chat about your thoughts about the Super Rugby that's coming up or the cricket that's going on at the moment. As Manai said, fantastic start. 53 for three, 13 overs in. And we've got rid of both openers and their number three. So currently at the crease is Joe Root and uh, Harry or Henry Brook. Harry Brook, I think he is. He's on 20 off 21. So still maintaining the, um, the run rate. So we'll keep you up to date with cricket all through the show today. Uh, But Midday Madness is about you. Something you need to get off your chest. Comment on the cricket. The fact they've stuck with Henry Nichols. Uh, They've bought him Matt Henry and Will Young, which I'm delighted about, uh, at the expense of Tickner and Kugeline. Obviously didn't do enough last week to hold their places. Although in defence of Blair Tickner, he's got a lot on his plate in Hawke's Bay at the moment with his parents having lost their properties. So Midday Madness, it's about you. Give us a call, get stuff off your chest, discuss the cricket, discuss the rugby, discuss whatever you want. 0800 150 811. Well, listen, buster, you better start to move your feet to the rockin'est beat of madness. Straight to the phones we go. Dino and Dunedin. G'day, Dean. How are you, Steph? All right? Good. Good, thanks, Dean. Uh, very interested to hear that cricket score. I bet Baz is thinking about the clearing and putting us in and having us 7 for 57. Yeah, I know. Right. It'd be interesting to see what, what route they take now. Route, boom, boom, boom. Um, given the three down. Yeah, I'd love for he to clear. Yeah. He's the sort of thing he'd do, mate. And he'd be in trouble by tea time. But I don't I didn't want to talk about that anyway, like cricket, cricket, as far as I'm concerned. But um, rugby, I just wondered whether, because you are connected and get to interview a few of the important people, whether a directive has been given with the World Cup in mind for certain players to play certain positions. Like, for me, I'm really looking forward to the Highlanders Blues game once I've seen the teams this morning. But I can't for the life of me see why Stephen Perifita is playing 15 when Zahn Sullivan's in their camp. I, just, I mean, I, I really like that kid at fullback. And fullback's a bit of a problem for us if, we're, if Will Jordan is unable to get back to where we all want him to be. So, and Damien at 10, I, I really like that. I think that's, it's just for safety. Like it, he's just too small with the calibre of international outside backs that are going to be thundering into him at 15. Like, he will not shirk the responsibility, but Geez, A and E tickets waiting, you know. It is what it is. I don't I know. Really looking forward to it. And tonight's game, I think Sua Cooler at six is, is really good. Jacobson for me, we've got 
we've got to do something at number eight. Mm. And yeah, he, he's a kid that they've earmarked for a while, so I'll watch that. But I got a wee tip, I reckon. For me, there's an all black trial, or there's numerous of them actually, like both eight and nine. Forsyth Bar tomorrow is very, very interesting. Billy Harmon's no mug either, like, to be fair. The Honda Fords, uh, they got the measure of that Blues four-pack, I believe. So see how that back line goes. If they don't get all the front-foot ball they think they're going to come down here and get, will be interesting. But McKaylee too. I think this boy could well be the bolter for the World Cup. Yeah, that loose four trio, McKaylee too and Harmon and Frizzell, if they gel and they bind... Boy, they can create havoc against anyone. Totally. And if the Blues think, going, like if Akira plays the way we know Akira can play, that'll be a hell of a battle. Like by half time, Akira will be exhausted. Shannon will keep going. But then they'll bring on someone else. They'll be just as good as Robinson's in the reserves. They didn't have a look. But they, I mean, they got an abundance of ability, the Blues. But if they're going backwards, no one looks that great. And the zoo factor is oh week down here. It'll be the only time that zoo will be chocker. So that'll be in the back of your mind. And I'm pleased that we haven't got Garden Basham at fullback dancing with them. The boy Gilbert, a quality young footballer coming through as well. So very interesting games to watch. Mm. Our Blues mate, uh, Ken, has said that Zan Sullivan, I'm pretty sure it was Ken that told us, Zan Sullivan, he's earmarked to end up at 10. That's his preferred position, which is uh, an interesting take. I watched him in that rubbish 30-30-30 stuff. Like, what's that? Mm. I don't get it. Like, it'd be like playing tennis with cricket balls, you know? Like, you don't do it. <laughs> it's not achieving nothing, is it? You're not getting any match fitness in for time or how they go like that. They change it 20 minutes to go. We all know that. I don't know why. Actually, I don't know. The Hollanders might not. If that front row's cranking along quite good, Clark might say, well, I'm sick of this. Let's change after 60 minutes. Mm. We don't need to. They never used to. And we don't really have the depth, to be fair, to be able to do it down here, unfortunately. But I don't know why Stephen Perifeta, why can't he go play 10 for the Hurricanes? They just don't have a quality 10 yet. They'll have kids coming through. All the teams in New Zealand do. But he should be starting at 10. Oh, don't get me started on stockpiling of talented 10s. I, I, I always remember that era when uh, the Crusaders had about five of them with the likes of Carter, uh, Colin Slade, Stephen Brett, Tyler Blindell, all could have started in the other franchises and they were all just battling to find 10s, but they kept them all in one place. So I'm with you there. I'd, I'd like to see Perifeta definitely in 10. He's probably our 10 once Richie and Bodie are gone after the World Cup. Um I would say he's probably it. Uh, the Hurricanes, uh, they don't have Jackson Garden Basher, but Aidan Morgan will start. Um, but keep your eye on Brett Cameron. He, he is a one-test all black. I think he's a pretty quality player. So I think they'll be okay once he comes right. I totally agree. Brett Cameron is a quality player. And I, I haven't really looked at who's all in what squad, but there's just certain players. It's World Cup year, Steph. That's the bit that annoys me. You, they want to be playing where they see them at the World Cup. Now, it's... If we, oh, I like Stephen Perifeta at 10. Like, I think he's a he's a quality player. You can't say world-class yet. We haven't seen him there. Stephen, um, the guy Cameron and him at the Hurricanes with a young kid for the future. That's where they just should be. Because you one injury and those franchises are under huge pressure in a critical position. Yep. And the Blues have got an abundance of them. Where's the Terry Black gone? Has he left? Like, they had him as a like, lot. They all left the Hurricanes all at once. Mm. It was like, 
how come the NZRU, that they own the players, allow this to happen? Like, I know Bowden got married up there, but what do you do? He can afford a plane ticket. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, there was an interesting take uh, I heard last week about we actually need these high-profile players to leave the, our shores because it's a massive wage bill. And so, you know, you get a Bowden Barrett's salary, you can probably play three or four good super rugby players with the money that you're not having to pay him. So does keep that sort of non-superstar guy here. But Dino, we've got to move on. I really appreciate your call. Good to hear from you. Cheers, buddy. Take care. Cheers, mate. Dean out of Dunedin. We go to Canterbury. Talk to Kenny. G'day, Kenny. As you predicted. Hey, Mark. How are you? I'm, Sam's not here today. Oh, he's chicken, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Growing feathers I overnight. I do have a bone to pick with him, but I'll wait till Monday and, um, and do it then. <laughs> <laughs> Look, he's probably listening. Actually, he's at home looking after a sick baby. So I do sympathise with Sam. Oh, he must—he he must be in his own ivory tower then. Yeah, that's it. That's it. He's—he's—he's he's, he's, um, trying to sell some secondhand clothes to afford a slab of beer to send you when the Crusaders beat the Chiefs. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll—we'll worry we'll about that when it happens. Yeah. Um, geez, it's all happening in Christchurch tonight, isn't it? It's amazing. It's so good. Imagine if they had the test match at Hagley Oval. <laughs> That'd be New Zealand Sports Administration to a T, and maybe a 660 concert as well. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm ju- uh, I was just thinking, um, I'm, I'm imagining the, the basketball's going to be at the old Horncastle Arena, I'm not sure what it's called, which is the same venue as the rugby. Just, yeah, it's just Christchurch Arena. It's going to be absolute bedlam around that area, and it's not going to be uh, a nice place to, to be living <laughs> Tonight, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you're in Christchurch, yeah, clear of Evans, and that's for sure. Yeah. Are uh, the harness racing on tonight? That'd, that'd be the trifecta. No, it's not. It's Cambridge. So no harness racing. So. No, it's not. I don't think there's anything on at any time. Maybe some dogs on too sure. Mm. Um, so, anyway, but it would be nice to be sitting in an indoor stadium tonight watching the Chiefs get beaten, wouldn't it? Oh, it'd be amazing, wouldn't it? Indoor stadium, whatever uh, the result, mate. How many years away? Well, seems like that's probably not really the priority, but um, especially with some pretty unfortunate events going on and Smithy's Nicola Woods being pretty... Yeah. Well, you know, but um, that's that's my guess is, you know, if, if we only had a stadium worthy of the best rugby club in the world, uh, that would be very nice. You just throw out jabs all the time. I love it. <laughs> the best rugby club in the world. I guess then you can say name, name one that's better and I probably can't, so that means in a roundabout way I think I'm agreeing with you, Kenny. Well, Sammy, if you're listening, it's certainly not the Chiefs, though. There you go. There you go. Good. Are you going to the game tonight? No, unfortunately not. I've got a wee boy, so I'll be looking after him and... Um before the rugby, which is good, so I'll sit down for a few beers and probably too much to eat. Sounds absolutely perfect. What we should all do on a Friday night. I have fish and chip Fridays, religiously. Yeah, that'll be us. Yeah, perfect. Good on you, Kenny. Cheers, Cheers mate. There he is, Kenny out of Canterbury. Join in. Uh, you can talk about the rugby. You can talk about the cricket. 61 for three, 16 overs down. New Zealand won the toss, sent England into bat. And at this stage, you have to say that's quite a good decision. Brooks still going along at a runnable, 25 off 25. And Joe Root, 
is on 11 off 32. So he looks like he's going to anchor around Baz Ball at the other end, potentially. The ball is doing a little bit. It is seeming a little bit, a little bit of... A little bit of late swing that's um, undone most. I think most of the wickets have been taken behind the wicket, Manoia. And Brace will catch, a Blundell mm-hmm. catch. What was the other one? I should have that here, actually. Let me just double check. I will have that here because um, I'm very prepared. Uh, court Blundell, Court Braceville, Court Braceville. So two in the slips and one by the wicketkeeper. So, yeah, all behind the wicket, which generally means movement off the seam or through the air. So we will keep you up to date with that. Looks like uh, Neil Wagner is about to bowl his first delivery. We will take a break now. Feel free to call. Um, your thoughts on them retaining Henry Nichols. I've got some interesting stats about Henry Nichols at the Basin, actually, after this. Um, have they made the correct changes? Are they the right ones? And are there enough? I think fantastic that Will Young's in there. I think that's a great change. And Matt Henry was always going to come back in. He's shown his value um, getting two wickets already. So we will take a break. Really want you to give us a yell. 0800 150 811. Thoughts on the cricket or rugby or anything else that takes your fancy. We'll be back after a short break. And welcome back in, team. Uh, feel free to give us a yell. 0800 150 811. And that is the phone number that Ed from Tolaga Bay has called. Kia ora, Ed. Kia ora, Stephen. Kia ora, SENZ. Steph, guess what? Uawa are going... That's pre-season training for rugby. Who are? Who are? Tolga Bay. Seriously? Yeah, man. They called out on it was on their news, my newsfeed, um, my Facebook newsfeed. Oh, calling all the, all the um, pre-season training. I was like, what? There's no race up the coast. But yep, they they uh, they started pre-season training. So tell you what, hey, what, how how good is that? That's that's great for that community. I mean, so blocked off and, and cut off. Have, have you got any updates about Tolaga Bay, Tokomaru Bay, Ed, about... Oh, well, f- yeah, I was, on, I was on there and um, I had a look. They reckon it's going to take like at least three months just to get a bridge to connect Tolaga to Tokyo. Wow. Ooh, okay. So um, maybe um, Uawa want to go to town and play rugby because town's open. You can get from Tolaga Bay to Gisborne. But you can't get from Tokamara Bay to Tolaga Bay. Yeah, so you can't go, yeah, until they fix that bridge. Yeah, maybe you could go the Matar Road, but then there'll be, yeah, I haven't had the updates on that one. There's a Matar Road that goes right around into the into the um, forestry where all, where all the problems are. Mm. But that road will get you up to Tokyo Way. You know, you don't have to go through that bridge that's broken. Yeah. What about, but yeah, what about the gorge from Gisborne to Aporiki? Is that closed or is that fixed? I know um, you can get through there. There's slips there, so they, you know, they, um, it's it's just slow. So mm. one, it's down to one lane. Jeez. So they just monitor one lane, and then, um, yeah, and there's always updates. There's always updates when you want to go through there. Right. Oh, it's so sad. It is so so sad um, down that part. Oh, yeah. But you but yeah, I just I was just going. Oh, these fellas are too much. They're going to preseason training. They don't even know if they're going to have a season, but man, they're going. <laughs> and they'll, they'll actually they'll relish it, won't they, Ed? Because they can, you know, just yeah. go and um, have a little bit of social connection, a little bit of um, yeah, recreation. Be, yeah, rally up the community. Yeah, because they'll be all, you know, all the boys are coming from wherever, and yeah, and then yeah, because they're all, you know, going hard. Uh, my auntie's in; she's the chair of the Super Grands in Gisborne. Super, have you heard of Super Grands? No, I haven't. They're on the news. Well, Auntie's like 79. She's a volunteer. Mm. And so they're cooking all the food for the um, 
you know, food they're dishing out to people who need food. Awesome. Hundreds and hundreds of prepacked meals. That's awesome. That's awesome. Oh, but, yes. But as you say, it's like yes, three months till the bridge is fixed, and it's probably even yeah. longer to clear out the roads and the houses and just so much damage there, Ed. There's so much, yeah, man. Uh, I, don't, I don't know about... Oh, I feel for Hawke's Bay, though, because all that silt. Yeah. You know how, how their houses got hammered with silt? Not so much the side of the bay and up the coast, but yes, the roads got hammered and the bridges got hammered. Oh, Mm. But yeah, uh, it's been so good. Yeah, uh, you know, the rugby club, eh? That is awesome. The community back on four days. That Hard is days. good news. Good news. Good on you, Ed. Good on you, Ed. Pass on our best from everyone at SCNZ down to the people at the uh, mighty East Coast. Um, we are thinking of them all. Too much, Seth. Cheers, mate. Here is Ed. Um, great man, great friend of the station and the show. Um, I feel like it's time for an update, Manoi. I just feel like it. Do we need the sting? Yes. And that's what you'll hear when Manoi, who's on the cricket desk, is going to give you, you know, the score, the bowling figures, whatever he sees necessary. I'm hoping to play that whenever there is a wicket, but there hasn't been one for a minute. Um, They're starting to get Baz balling a little bit. Wags back into the attack. England's 69 for three off uh, 18.3 overs. It's always interesting to me how baseball goes when they lose a couple of quick wickets because it's very much built off uh, confidence, isn't it, and just mm. going for it. Mm. Very hard to have that confidence once you've been skittled. Mm. So I'm interested to see how the rest of this one goes. Interesting thing for me, 16.3 overs. Uh, in true mathematics sense, that is 16 overs and two balls because 30% of an over is two balls. But the point three indicates there's three been balls, three balls. Yeah. 16.5 would be half an over. Yeah, as opposed to a third of an over, which would be yeah. 18.3. I'd prefer probably a dash, 18 <laughs> dash three. 18 dash three. 18th over. Or, or a comma. A comma, perhaps, or a, a colon. Yeah. Um, or semicolon. Um, but yeah, they've, the gone, dot. they've gone with the dot. They've and gone I don't begrudge them for that. Very angry looking. Wagner. Very determined man. Every single delivery he's just bowled that just outside off. Let's go through to the Kemper. Believe in the leave. High elbows, high wrists. Wag- Full hearts. Yeah. <laughs> None for seven, Wagner. But he's always, when he goes back to his mark at, after a delivery, he fierce stomps the ground as a fright. The next one. I'm going to get him the next one. Like a rutting bull. Yes. I, I don't know. Like, And I don't think I see it very often, but you don't really see the fielding or the, you know, the captain talking to him on his on the way back to the top of his run-up? Because he's got that look on his face like he wants to murder the next person he talks to. Yeah, get out of my way. He's uh, pulled across the line there, completely missed time field mid-on. They go through for a single, so that's the eighth run Wagner has conceded. One more ball left in the second over. Brook on 29, Root on 16. Of course, we've removed both openers, two catches to Bracewell. Uh, one to Blundell, um, three wickets down. So good start, good first hour and a half. For the Black Caps, and of course we'll be joining Daniel McCarty uh, once they've gone to lunch. So just after one o'clock, Daniel is commentating for Talk Sport, um, our English, what would we call them, second cousins.
Talk Sport. We have a lot of their guests on, so it's great that um, Dan's calling it for the English station, and he'll have a very New Zealand bent on it, I would hope. Right, we'll take new sport and weather when we come back. Do give us a yell, um, your thoughts on the cricket so far, and any rugby chat you want to do. I've left it open, so it's completely up to you. Yeah, just surprise me. Give me some sports news that I didn't know about. 0800 150 811, back after the news. Well, listen, Buster, you better start to move your feet to the rockin'est beat of madness. Do feel free to give us a yell, 0800 150 811, or um, you can text us on double eight double three. Someone's just texting saying construction is well underway for the Christchurch Stadium. Can, we, can someone call me and just give me a little bit more of an update on how that's going and if you know of a targeted completion date, um, when that would be. Like New Zealand takes a lot longer than other countries to build these these types of things, but... I'd be very interested to hear any update down there from uh, you good Christchurch folk on where we are at with that. Um, Mark's text in and said, G'day, staff, come and join the SENZ Afternoons League for SENZ Rugby Tipping. Apologies for stealing your name. <clears throat> you have a good chance of success. There's the only six of us so far. I think I did last night. I joined one last night. Maybe you've set up another one as well, Mark. Can you join two? I don't know. I'll, I'll have a look at it in an ad break, though. Um... Do feel free to, as I say, give us a yell. Love to hear from you in the first hour of every show. 0800 Here's a man who have an update for me, Mikey. G'day, Mikey. <laughs> Not really. It just There was a bit of dead air going on. I thought, I can't leave my mate Staffy hanging. <laughs> so, give me a wee call. I'm on my way up to Hamner Springs for a golf AGM. With a oh. group of good, good, good eight good people. And, uh, yeah, a bit of golf. A bit of, bit of sport happening for me this weekend. Looking forward to the rugby tonight. Um, what's happening? There's there's stuff being poured. Yeah. Um, but look at the end of the day, man. Twelve years now that it's mm. since, since we didn't have anything. I mean, I think I've said in the past I'm not going to that stadium. Um, the rickety thing that we've got going on. Mm. And I'm, I'll put my hand up, and I don't care. Uh, it's rubbish. Um, and you think of like the amount of World Cups we've had in New Zealand, the amount of the Lions tour that we had, all the things that we've missed out on. Um, even though I'm not fans of theirs, but things like an Elton John or a, or some of these other huge um, um, stars of music, we get nothing. Yeah, we've had nothing for 12 years, and it's and it's shocking and disgusting. And I completely agree. Couldn't agree more with Kenny. Why doesn't the best rugby team on the planet <laughs> have a decent stadium? Mm. I'm just seeing here that Christchurch will soon be home of a state-of-the-art multi-use arena. 683 million project with capacity of 30,000. Um, I, haven't, I haven't got a date, though, of completion. That's what I want to know. Uh, it will begin late 2022. Cause it, yeah, because they keep, they keep pushing it out, and then the council will have another little bit of a, a spat and a fight, and then costs increase, and then it's, oh, just get it over and done with. I mean, other, other countries who had issues, first world countries, you look at Japan after um, the earthquakes they had there, they built things back super quickly, you know? They mm. got stuff done. Um, so, I mean, I'd say that uh, people may disagree, but with the second biggest centre in the country, we deserve to have a stadium 
that's appropriate too. I thought um, you guys really missed a trick, or Auckland, I should say, really missed a trick um, without having that waterfront stadium. Imagine that right now. Oh, wow. I know. That, it would be oh. incredible. <laughs> so we're a little bit behind on these things, but... Um, yeah, look, I've got really nothing to say. I just thought I wouldn't leave you having um, talking to dead air. You're so, a good man. You go. Thanks, Mikey. <laughs> okay, mate. Cheers, mate. You Enjoy later. your weekend. Uh, good to hear from Mikey. We'll go to Aussie now. Talk to Darren. G'day, Darren. Hey, Steffi. How are you, mate? Good, Darren. Mate, I'm just ringing up. I'm, I'm absolutely first about some rugby on tonight. Same. I can't wait. Yeah, I'm so looking forward to this, and my team isn't playing, but I don't care. Same, but I mean, what a game to start with. Crusaders Chiefs, I mean, seriously. That's just, that's tantalising at best, you know. It's, uh, I can't, can't wait for that. Yeah, I think before a game's been played, you'd have to say they're probably uh, the top two teams. On paper, in recent history, probably could even be a prelude to the final, very early to say that. But they are, I think most people's, if they were perfectly honest, the best two teams. You might get some Blues players as well, uh, supporters, but... I think it's a perfect start to a competition. I was going to say, Zade's going to be ringing you up if you uh, keep 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 talking like that, mate. <laughs> <laughs> don't upset life member, all right? No, I shouldn't, should I? Sorry, Zade. Sorry, Zade. I'll keep my eyes on the uh, phone to see if he does call in. But no, it's um, it is incredibly exciting um, to, to have Super Rugby back. It's brilliant. Oh, it's just, just, yeah, I've been really looking forward to it. You guys have been talking about it nicely, and uh, I watched the breakdown last night, and that was, uh, oh, after that, I was just like, I can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> With the appetite. for 5.30, 5.30 Melbourne time. Oh, just on a side one, Staffy, I started up a a, um, a group on your SEN footy tipping called the uh, the Midday Madness Callers. Oh, nice. So I, hope, I, hope, I hope you join it. Okay. Tipping. Can you so, join more than one group? Yeah, yeah, I've joined, I think, two or three. Okay, I'll join it. I'll go and find it. Yeah. Good man. Cheers, mate. Keep up the good work. Cheers, buddy. Thanks, Darren. Good to hear from you. Um, We're going to Graham next. G'day, Graham, I think. Is it Graham or Kenny? Who who have we got, Manoa? Kenny's got an update. Kenny, g'day. G'day, Steph. G'day. Update. Well, B6 Wattpack are the ones doing it. It's a bit of a conglomerate, but anyway... We're about two and a half years away, is what they say, for opening. Mm-hmm. Um, that was pushed in May last year. That was pushed back six months. And I can only put that down to the Christchurch City Council wanting less seats in the stadium, which was absolute bollocks. Um, but anyway, yeah, 2025. And is it Takaha? But, is that what it's going to be called? Takaha, yeah. Yeah. And is it well, out, out towards the I don't airport? know why they didn't... Sorry, what was that? Is that out towards the airport? No, no, it's right in the centre of town, really. Um, Kind of between... uh, They've they've basically taken out a bit of street to join two city blocks and make a uh, big enough footprint for a stadium. Oh, magic. But, um, yeah, yeah, the council wanting to decrease to, you know, save costs when if they had just got in and done it, they would have avoided inflation. (laughs) Oh, inflation's the cheaper. killer. Inflation is the killer. Like, and that's that's the thing. Like, the earthquake was, what, 12 years ago, just over 12 years ago, that first, well, that big February one. If they'd gone ahead and been like, the government stepped in and been like, oh, yeah, we'll build it, we'll rebuild it, because you, obviously you've lost the stadium, then, jeez, you'd probably end up with a 
$500 million stadium rather than this blowout of what's probably going to be three quarters of a billion. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I didn't have an issue with them fixing, fix the sewage pipes, fix your footpaths and, and do some oh, yeah, demol- yeah. De- demolishing, but it's just taken forever to get underway, hasn't it? No, and can you imagine if this was like Japan or China and it's 12 years down the track and they haven't replaced some key infrastructure. That will, I mean, key infrastructure is what you're talking about, roads and all that, but mm. to me a stadium is too. Mm. Um, can you imagine Japan or China having an earthquake or whatever and then not rebuilding a stadium for another decade or more? Yeah. Probably not. Yeah, not probably not, yeah. Pretty useless. Yeah, it's pretty anyway. frustrating. I can only imagine your frustration being a resident down there too, Kenny. But uh, thanks for the update, That's mate. It. Appreciate it. No worries. Cheers, buddy. Uh, we'll go to Marlborough, but Hearts and Northland. Graham. G'day, Graham. G'day, mate. A couple of quick things before I get to rugby. Did you watch that um, Gus Nikita race? Yes, I did. Night? Yes, I did. I watched it on YouTube Live. So did I. Um, what a, how did we let that guy go, mate? He's off to Hawaii, Hawaii to play friggin' NFL. That's just madness for a country that, you know, we don't have a lot of great sprinters, athletes, and we let that guy go. What the hell friggin' hell's going on there? I know. I um, just, I don't know why he chose. I know the Sevens had shown interest, and I know Tasman had shown interest as well, but I don't know why we've lost. What a beast, because he's got, he's got the build of a rugby player and he's got the speed of a sprinter. Yeah, but oh, just you know, why do they do this? Eh? These these organisations that have you know, you get one one or two of them come along, and then they they oh, I know he's got to meet this target. Well, far out, man. You know. Mm. Anyway, that's there was that, and then I don't I don't know. I'll flick your text yesterday about the Scott Robertson interview this morning on on the Hoth. That was you know, it's just. He's between a rock and a hard place now. Scott Robinson and Ian Foster. It's just turned to custard, mate. It is. All right. Everyone's you know, like, just... Like, it's just... Walking, just give walk. us an answer, NZRU. Give us a bloody answer. And so we can get on. We either support Foster to the hilt or we get rid of him now. Mm. He probably wants to walk away. Mm. <laughs> I know. It's very and frustrating. You've got to feel a bit for the players, too. You know, they, you know the players will say, oh, no, we're not, it's not to do with us. But, man, they must be thinking, what the frickin' hell is this organisation organisation running, you know. Mm. It's sad. I actually starting to feel a little bit sorry for Ian Foster. I, I don't think he should ever been appointed, but, he's, you know, this is an employment thing now, and he's getting treated like garbage, and he doesn't deserve that. Yeah. It's an employment situation. You don't deserve that. Um, and on the rugby, oh, I can't wait. I was meant to be going down to the Crusaders game, but we've had a breakdown here at so I'm going to have to stick it. Not going to happen for me at this time, but I'm um, really looking forward to it. And like Dino said this morning, there's, well, before there's, you know, there's three or four games that are just all black trials, eh? Yeah, it's brilliant. It's you brilliant. Know, like, and I agree with him with Perifeta. He should be running at fullback and get rid of Bowden. Bowden's, Bowden's not the best first five in the country anymore. He's nowhere near the best fullback in the country anymore. He's a bench player at best for the All Blacks. So, you know, like, get, if the Blues want to win, they're probably better off with Perifeta. And, and he's going to be there for the All Blacks. I'd take him to the World Cup and leave Anne McKenzie and leave Bowden out of it. Yeah, they won't but leave Bowden not, out of he's it. Not, he's not the player. <laughs> no, they won't. I know. They play, they pay him too much. But he's not the player he was. 
Yeah. We, we know before we went to Japan. Mm. Graham, we've got to push on. We've got to push on. Sorry, mate. Yep. We've got to take a oh, break. Have a good weekend, mate. Cheers, brother. You enjoy yeah. the rugby. Quick break. We'll be back with Simon. Straight back to the phones we go. We talk to Simon in Hamilton. G'day, Simon. Hello, we Taffy. All right? Good, buddy. Is it raining in Auckland or not? Yep. Uh, yeah, it's raining in Hamilton. I declare matter matter. It's uh, raining there as well. Mm. Never mind. We don't really need much more of it, to be honest. No, we don't. Hey. Hydro lakes are full. Yeah. There won't be a shortage of uh, water in Auckland. Yeah, I know. That, that's, that's one good thing, I guess, we can take out of what we've been suffering. Yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, sort of, 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 sort Oh, we're just going to have to park here, Simon. Sorry, that that line is very dusty. Just jump on with him, Finn, and just say his phone was a bit dusty. We'll go to Dave in Karaka. G'day, Dave. Hell yeah, look, um, the great Peter Wolfram died this week, that last week. My auntie used to have, uncle had race trotters with him, and that he was a great rangeman, wasn't he? Oh, he was complete was horseman. Wasn't he? And because um, I remember at Alexander Park and and down in Addington, we saw him run big races down there, and that was great. Yeah, great, sad loss, but he was a good rangeman because you see him at Alexander Park quite a bit. He used to um, he used to clean out, uh, out south. Yeah, it was a great. He had two couple of sons, I think. One of them trained at Pukki Co and the ones in the in the states. But they, remember. He, at the Grove of the Great Cardigan Bay. Yeah. Yes, yeah. He had a long career in harness racing, uh, Peter Wolfram. Yes, yes, yeah. Yeah, and all back first five. He owns a racehorse, Moonga, and gives 15% away to, to a charity. He right? does, and it's a very good yeah. horse too. Yes, and the other one is Steve Hansen, Nature Script. He owns a racehorse as well in, in the States as well. Yeah, in Australia. Yeah, yeah. It didn't go so well last start. I feel like Nature Strip might have might have just turned the corner as far as age goes. Oh, another one that I know is um, I do often do part time security. I got to know Nick Bashara, and if he's doing all right with his two, he had two wins at Pukekohe both both days. Nick Nick's not quite a nice man. I got to know him quite well. I used to win the races and at. Ellerslie and, and Avondale, so his, his team's doing all right, isn't it? Based to follow Nick Bashara at the moment. Yes, he's a very good racing man as well, Dave. Um, he's a great person to talk to as well. Yes, very good. Dave, we've got to move yeah. on. Thank you heaps okay. for your call and uh, sympathies for Peter Wolf and his family as well. We'll take a quick break and we'll come back. Back into afternoons without Staffy. Staffy's just ducked out for a minute, but it is a good opportunity, or as good an opportunity as any, to give you an update on the cricket. England now after 25.3 overs, which is 25 and a half for some reason, uh, sitting at 96.3 after a rollicking start from the Kiwi bowlers. They've slowed down somewhat. The run rate up to 3.6, which for baseball 
is still a little bit conservative. Uh, Root on 23 off 65. Brook facing on 47 off 50. A little uncharacteristic from Root and from uh, Baz's men out in the middle there. Michael Bracewell's got the ball in hand. Uh, a hand that has taken a good couple of catches so far this morning. So it doesn't look like the fairy tale that we all had hoped when we saw those first three wickets fall. As another ball makes it through the offside, just backwards of square leg. It's going to dribble to the boundary. I don't know if they got there. It looks like it'll be another four. No, it won't. But they've run for five, so it won't matter. England 100 for three after uh, 25 overs. We'll be back right after Johnny Mack with News and Sport. Yes, we've got a big surfing uh, interview coming up after three that you do not want to miss. Um, but we've got cricket. Have they gone to lunch? They've gone to lunch. Have they gone to lunch, Manoa? They haven't gone to lunch. Oh, maybe they have gone to lunch. We'll find out because we're going live to the ground, the, the best cricket ground in New Zealand for test matches. Daniel McCarty's been calling it for Talk Sport. Welcome in, Daniel. Thanks for coming on at, uh, in your well-earned break, but you're prepared to have a yarn. I appreciate it. Anytime, Staffy. Always happy to help you, my friend. You'll be delighted to know I ate my lunch in record time, four minutes and 30 seconds, <laughs> just so I could be full of indigestion to chat to you now. <laughs> Was it? Did you open throw a panini or something like that? Well, I stupidly went in with a hard plate, tried to chow it down and realised I'm running out of time here, so I had to rush back to the table to get the takeaway uh, the doggy, the doggy bag, as we like to call it, the restaurants, don't we? Much to the disgust of the catering staff, they're going. Well, that's an unnecessary dirtying of the plate, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, despite coming to these games for a few years now, you're always learning. You are Taking always. The key lesson. The key lesson. That's it. Thank you, it. Daniel. Thank you, Daniel. Uh, oh, sweet Caroline will be very impressed with you. Great start to the Test match for New Zealand, picking up three wickets in that first hour. Um, I don't think. I think that's better than anyone would have expected. Brilliant opening session of Test Match Cricket overall. England have played their part. We'll get on to them and sort of uh, the, the final three quarters of the session because the opening half an hour has gone exactly New Zealand's way. Winning the toss. We all know uh, captains want to win the toss and uh, bowl here. It's third, 14 Test Matches in a row, so Tim Southey's got the job done there. New Zealand make a couple of changes. Henry comes into the starting lineup. New Zealand have a new ball pair again because we went into Mount Wanganui with really Tim Southey and, well, Neil Wagner, we all know, doesn't really take the new ball. And we saw a different sort of New Zealand attack, one that was a little bit more disciplined, looking to use the conditions. It was nipping around a bit, but I'll say it again, as I say it every year, it never plays as badly, the Basin Reserve wicket, as it looks. Yeah, it looks emerald green. I think I checked the Rosine colour chart when I was on with Smithy earlier. I described it as green pea. It's green pea. There you go, Rosine. There's a shout-out for you. Uh, but I, I thought Henry was very good. He hits that nagging length. They got the ball to sort of nip one way and the other. Southey, maybe it was a little bit wide of off stump early in his spell. But New Zealand through that opening half hour uh, bowled better. They stuck to a plan for longer and they took some catches. Blundell's catch behind the wicket to remove Crawley's out of sorts. Fairly bog standard. Then Bracewell takes an absolute screamer, I think, at third slip. Two hands above his left shoulder. 
Um, and what one over later, he, he, he ties and outdoes himself. Full length, off the ground, horizontal, big left hand paw, a quite ridiculous catch to get rid of Duckett, and New Zealand is screaming along at that stage at 21 for three. And then in comes Joe Root, um, steady as she goes. He's, he's just 23 off 65. Harry Brook, he's taken the Bears, uh, the baseball journal, 51 off 52. Does it look like Root's just going to not drop anchor, but he's going to let the guys bat around him? Well, he's going to drive the Rolls-Royce properly, it seems, here at the Basin Reserve. But, uh, we described in the first innings up at Bay Oval, it looked like he's taking the taking the Rolls-Royce out to Bay Park Speedway to actually have a bit of, you know, a bit of a, you know, throw it around the corners. Uh, he, he's just batting, as Joe Root has done for these years, and he's a wonderful player. Harry Brook, if you've not seen this guy play, the guy's bonkers. He's averaging close to 80 in test cricket with a strike rate of 100. He's gone past 50 in the last over of this session at, at a runner ball, and he has just got some blistering strokes with, very solid defence to boot. And I think that the moment of the session for me is Neil Wagner's bowled three balls to him down a decent channel and, and Brooks hit him up towards mid-off once, twice, and then pushed him into cover. And it was almost like he he'd threatened his manhood by throwing th- uh, three dot balls to him. <laughs> Neil Wagner pitches it up again, trying to hit middle stump. And Brooks just gone outside a leg stump as if it's the 49th over of a one-day international. And then just smoked him over mid-on. That's Baz Ball to a T. That fear of failure, that fear of losing your wicket, even at 80 for the loss of four, I think, it was, uh, 80 for three at the time, is quite something to behold. So England have done really well. This partnership is worth 80, and worryingly so if you're a New Zealand fan. Two-step batsman, with a bit more sun on it. The sun has broken through. That will continue to dry up the surface. Uh, and England are, you know, motoring along. 20, what, 26 overs? Going around four runs and over, 100 on the board, three wickets down. Really fascinatingly poised after the first session. When I got my first glimpse of the wicket, I thought there is a seething wicket. That is going to hoop. So, And all the wickets that are gone have been behind the wicket, which would indicate swing or seam or a little bit of both. Um, has it settled down uh, after just two hours or is there still a little bit of action for the bowlers? It's a, it's a basin reserve wicket, Staffy. Um, I feel like a broken record, and it's nothing yet, but I feel like whenever I have to describe it, especially to my, to my mates from the UK or over here with talk sporters, the basin reserve looks one thing, it plays like another. It yeah. looks like the biggest green seamer, like, you know, Kermit the Frog and, you know, <laughs> a spitting viper, hear all those sort of things. But, but you look at the last test match played here. The West Indies sent New Zealand in on a pitch that was just as green, if not greener, from what I remember. And New Zealand got 460. Why? Because the West Indies bowled a steaming pile of dross. You still have to bowl well. Mm. New Zealand, when they last sent an opposition in um, earlier in 2020 against India, bowled them out for 160. Why? Because they bowled well. And I think New Zealand overall have bowled a lot better. But you can't tell me with the way Brook and Root has uh, played, you, you can't get in and profit. So it's only going to get better. Um, I have noticed it's, it's spun a little bit. Um, as Michael Bracewell by one over before lunch, I don't know if that's just a factor of the first day and it's a little bit soft on top, but normally it doesn't turn a long way here at the Basin Reserve, so we'll keep an eye on that. But I'd expect it to continue to offer something for the bowlers throughout today and probably maybe into tomorrow morning, maybe around 
you know, the afternoon, I, I'd expect it to become quite flat and good luck getting wickets from day three and day four. Talking to Daniel McCarty, live from the Basin Reserve. Uh, Daniel, you and your part-time British colleagues, what, what are their thoughts about what England's plans are now? Is it try and get 500 then, and then get us out twice? Or what, what's the feeling about their, their plan, their structure for going forward in this test? Well, it's somewhat in jest. I think the greatest sporting side that's ever walked the face of the earth. Um, and, and it's intoxicating, isn't it, Staffy? Mm. You've won 10 of 11 test matches. That's extraordinary throughout the 145-year history of test match cricket. They won six in a row. I think England have only won um, more tests on, on the bounce maybe a couple of times in their history. And they've been playing it a long time. So you've got the winning equation to it, which is... You know, when all is said and done, a lot of fans sort of, um, you know, make their minds up on that. But it's the way they're getting to the wins, which is not just the cherry on the cake. They're ordering like three, three McDonald's breakfasts like Harmy's doing every morning before the test matches. Um, it's just, it's got to be intoxicating if you're an English cricket fan. And I don't blame them. What did they go at? Five and a half runs and over at Bay Oval? It's, it's ridiculous. We've played the sport for, as I say, nearly 150 years. And they've shattered the glass ceiling. Um, and have won test matches on top. I, I, how forgiving, and you can answer this, Steph, how forgiving uh, would any sporting public be if, if your team goes out and you know, loses a rugby game 50-49 every week? But the, the, the scoring 50 and winning games on top, it's, it's the best of both worlds. What's the crowd and atmosphere like there, Daniel? It looks, uh, the, the, the glimpses I've had, the banks look pretty chocker. It is chocker. It's a sellout for three days. And I'm just delighted, um, you know, Wellington's fickle forecast. I try to tell all the travellers, don't worry about the long-range forecast in Wellington. Pull back the curtains the morning of the day, and there will be the weather. It's held off. I know there's some rain in the forecast for today, but let's worry about that down the line. So the fans were queued up an hour, hour and a half before, right around this ground at the pitcher. The fans are now poured out into the middle to, you know, go through that time on a tradition of staring at a bit of grass and dirt as if, uh, you know, it will change something in their, uh, their viewing existence. Uh, but it's w- wonderful to see. I caught up with Cam Mitchell, um, the boss of Cricket Wellington, and he was confident they could have sold two or three more thousand tickets to today. Wow. There's been so much excitement um, uh, around these parts. I'm from Wellington. The bay was an amazing scene throughout uh, the last day where, where fans sort of tapered off a little bit when there was only one result on the cards into that final day. But... It's just it's a wonderful sight, the basin, when it's full. So we've got about 7,000 people here. We'll have a sellout tomorrow. We'll have a sellout on day three. And uh, all going well. We're returning for day number four with um, possibly all three options on the table. And will we find you sitting in front of a television tonight at 7 o'clock for the kickoff of Super Rugby? I know we're supposed to be talking cricket. Are you as equally as excited, it seems, most of New Zealand are for this Crusaders Chiefs uh, kickoff game one Super Rugby Pacific? Yes and no in the sense I've sort of been in a cricketing mm. tunnel, but a bit of tunnel vision. I saw the lineups and I was like, holy, holy heck. There's some pretty good players across the, the two teams we'll see tonight. What did the, Blue, the Blues name 13 All Blacks in their lineup? The Peter Larkai era starts with the Canes. I'm excited at that one, my friend. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, I always find Super Rugby sneaks up, rudely interrupts um, my beloved cricketing season. But when the action starts, hard tracks, you know, we tend to get a lot of baseball as far as a rugby sense and uh, high-scoring games at this time of the year. So I'm very much looking forward to it. And I'm looking forward to actually talking about the rugby after the absolute dross between Foster and the NZR. Such a yawn. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's horrible. Oh, well, Daniel, I'll let you go, and I just hope the pavlova, A, there's still some left for you, and B, it's not too soggy and covered in dirty spoon peach juice or something like that. Wildly overrated dessert. Wouldn't touch it with your spoon. <laughs> I'm with you. I don't touch pavlova. I don't touch it. Daniel. It's a disgrace. Uh, yeah, I really appreciate it, buddy. Go and enjoy the rest of your short break. Um, well done. Anytime, Steffi. Might speak to you Monday. Cool. Excellent. Lock that in, Manai. Daniel McCarty's going to talk to us Monday. I'll hold him to that. Yep. <laughs> hold him to that. One, uh, 105 Monday. They'll still be going. What are we, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday? Yeah, that's day four. Well, the rain might slow England down at some point as well. Well, this is the thing. You know, and, and show me the money yesterday. I took the draw because I looked at the weather forecast. It was supposed to be raining now, and I'm looking at the pictures. It looks overcast, but there's still shadows, right? So The sun is gleaming off the top of Mark Richardson's head. Wow. It could be the middle of the night and his head would gleam. <laughs> and mine. I'm not going to say uh, anything against Mark Richardson's headline. The draw earlier this morning was seven. It's now 5.50. Having spent all those years at the TAB, Manai, and living in Wellington, as soon as there's grey clouds, everyone starts betting on the draw. They don't look at the position of the game. They just look at the position of the clouds. And they say, it's going to rain, I'll back the draw. Even though the forecast might say, it's going to rain for the rest of the afternoon and all of the rest of the test matches fight, they just pump the draw. And you have to drop the price, drop the price, drop the price. Can't beat Wellington weather on a bad day. <laughs> um, we talked about the draw before when we came in this morning. We were looking at it at about $4 and something. But I was just looking at it and thinking if there was a team that could win a test that had a day or two washed out for rain, it was this England team. Mm. And that just, I think, spooked me off a little bit. Yeah, because I think when we backed it, it was 260. Yes. Went out to four. When England went three down, it was 750. And wow. now it's back to 550. And at any point in that trajectory, did they, I mean, we're on it for a uh, thing, aren't we? For, show me the money. Me the money okay. And the first leg came in yesterday. Which was the horse? Which was the horse uh, top two finish, and it finished second. So our contestant, or our, what can you, our teammate, ticket holder, our ticket holder and teammate for the weekend. We're one from, one from one, three to go. Next leg to go uh, kicks off in fifteen minutes. That is James Harden to score fewer than twenty-one and a half points. Oh, because he's in a city with strip clubs. Yep, uh, and has had just just had a week off as well, and he was not invited to the All Star festivities, so he has been unsupervised for a week <laughs> in a city with strip bars. Uh, yeah, um, well, no one knows where he was. So but presumably, this is a pl- basketball player, by the way, which when he got traded away from the Rockets, uh, one of the local uh, adult entertainment venues hung his jersey in the rafter. <laughs> they retired his jersey. They retired his jersey. <laughs> so for those that aren't up to speed with what the hell we're talking about, yesterday Manai said that there was someone on Reddit or somewhere like that had done a study on James Harden's form uh, when he was in cities with a high aspect ratio of adult entertainment premises versus mm-hmm. cities with non-adult entertainment premises, and he performs yes. way better when he's in Utah. It's it's more, well, no, funnily enough, uh, so Salt Lake City in Utah was one of the top five cities in the NBA uh, in terms of Google ratings for their adult entertainment. Oh. They were in the top five. Very shocking, very, very shocking, and I wonder if there's a limited sample size there. Um, but anyway, that they were one of them. And it wasn't that he played well in places that didn't have them, if, this, if you're still following. It was that he massively underperformed in cities with great establishments. 
So, um, yeah, this is a guy who regularly shows up to preseason out of shape. Um, and again, I want to reiterate, he's been unsupervised for a week and he's now playing the Memphis Grizzlies. So what time does that start? One thirty. Starts in 11 minutes. I believe so, yeah. Oh, and what's he got to do? Score less than... 21 and a half. Score less than 20. He's probably, he's probably scored 21 and a half in the last week <laughs> if he if he's, has, hasn't had basketball to play. <laughs> Yes, yeah. Well, I don't know. Let's find out. Let's find out. So we'll keep a very close eye on um, James Harden. Nearly called him something else then. Uh, We'll take a break and we'll come back. I'm just going to give you a few golf updates. I know there's a lot of golf fans out there. The Honda Classic in the PGA Tour at the moment. Um, Round one was suspended. Most of them got in the hut. I think it looks like there's only sort of one group that didn't quite finish. Um, so pretty much round one completed. Uh, Joseph Bramlett at five under alongside Billy Horschel at five under. Pierce, Pierceson Cootie. Pierceson Cootie, he's at four under. Justin Sue four under. Carson Young, four under. So it looks like the big dogs are having a week off. Um, I'm scrolling down trying to find the big dogs. Matt Wallace is there. Um... Gosh, Jason Duffner, there's a blast from the past. He's tied 14th at two under. Uh, Jeff Ogilvie, the veteran Australian, he's two under as well. Minwoo Lee, the other Aussie, he's at two under. But more importantly on the LPGA Tour, at a golf course that I've played at, um, it's the Siam Country Club. In fact, there's four golf courses at the Siam Country Club in Thailand. Uh, They're playing at the old course. I couldn't get on that one. That's the most expensive. It is amazing. Um, And that is live. In fact, I think the replay around one is on at the moment. Um, And, of course, when Lydia Ko plays, I watch. uh, She birdied the last to finish at four under. She's just three off the lead. um, Tied seven. It's an incredibly compact field. There's five players on seven under, including Lydia Ko's playing partner from yesterday, uh, Hata Oka. She is a short, stocky, powerful player. Serious club head uh, speed. Um, she's tied for the lead at seven under. Um, any other big names? Um, Titakul, uh, who they call Titakun on the American commentary, even though her name ends in an L. Um, anyway, she's in there at five under. Uh, Maria Jutanagan, who one of the Thailand's legend golfers, she's at four under. Uh, Nelly Corder, four under. So I think Cream will rise to the top. Brooke Henderson at uh, three under the Canadian. So keep an eye on that one, um, which is called the Honda LPGA Thailand, which is interesting because the men are playing in the Honda Classic. I wonder if that's accidental or intentional that Honda get wall-to-wall coverage in both the PGA Tour and the LPGA. And for those that have just joined us, I'll just take you through the scorecard for the cricket so far. New Zealand won the toss, sent England into bat. Two changes for New Zealand with Tickner and Kugeline left out. Will Young and Matt Henry returning to the fray. New Zealand won the toss, sent England into bat. Zach Crawley, first man out, scoring just two runs off 12. He was caught blundle, bold Henry. Uh, ben Duckett, the other opener, he was dismissed, caught Bracewell, bowled Southie. And then uh, Ollie Pope caught Bracewell, bowled Henry. So two to Crawley, nine to Duckett, ten to Ollie Pope. They're at lunch at the moment. Joe Root is in there, not out on 23 of 65 balls. Um, so just farming it around. But Harry Brook, 
I can't remember. We talked to someone from TalkSport before this tour started, and he said, keep your eyes on this Harry Brook. He's pretty, he's pretty sensational. He's 51 off 52. And Daniel McCarty, who we just spoke to live from the base and was mentioning his strike rate, his test average is just through the roof. In fact, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about him. His middle name's Cherrington. Of course he's going to be a test cricketer. Harry Cherrington Brook, born in Cayley, Yorkshire. He's 24 years old. He bowls a little bit of part-time right arm medium. And at this fine young age, the teams he's played for so far, he played for England under-19, the England Lions, which I feel like is the second 11, uh, and of course the top team. He's played for the Hobart Hurricanes, the Johannesburg Super Kings, the Lahore Cullenders, the Northern Superchargers, Yorkshire. <sighs> Amazing. His test, five tests, high score of 153, an average of 77.8, and a strike rate of 96. One day is... Three matches, average 28, strike rate 98. Test matches looks to be his uh, strongest format at the moment. So, um, yeah, wonderful golfer, Harry Brook. So England find themselves 101 for three, uh, 26 overs in that first session. You've got to average 30 to get to your 90, so they're already four behind. I know you use a little bit more time with um, change of batsmen. Uh, but Michael Bracewell, uh, bowling figures, Tim Southey, 10 overs, 3 maidens, 1 for 27. Matt Henry, 7 overs, 1 maiden, 2 for 27. Great, great return for Matt Henry. Daryl Mitchell, uh, he's turned his own arm over for 3 overs, 1 maiden, none for 10. Neil Wagner, 5 overs, none for 27. And Michael Bracewell had an over just before lunch, got a bit of purchase off the green in colour, not green in behaviour, the basin pitch. Michael Bracewell, just the one over, uh, none for five. So they will be getting underway in about another 10 minutes, <clears throat> and we will keep you up to date right through the afternoon uh, with score updates for you from the Basin Reserve in the second test, two of two, which is just ridiculous. Um, so far on the show today, Midday Madness, we hear talks on rugby and talks on cricket. And talks on the sad passing of Peter Wolfenden as well. And then at the top of this hour, we had Daniel McCarty. All of our interviews are always put up on the podcast app if anything there that you missed. Still to come today, Hugh Bainan will be joining us very shortly after the news. Um, the Tall Blacks have a test match in Christchurch tonight against Saudi Arabia. So we'll catch up with Hugh Bainan on that. The Jeremy Paul Show will be on at 2. Well, just after 2. As always, always welcome your questions for JP. I really want to drill down on the Australian teams in Super Rugby. They've been a bit off the pace in recent times, recent years, so hopefully someone's going to pose a decent threat. I know Tim Horan, who was on the Sunday rugby show, um, Justin Marshall, he's, he thinks the Waratahs are going to be a bit special this year, so I'll keep a watch out for the Waratahs. But Jeremy Paul, he'll be on at 2, 3 o'clock. Um, <clears throat> Tim Benithan, uh, Benithan, he is a big wave surfer and documentary and filmmaker. Very much looking forward to this. It's um, it's a growing sport, I believe. It's been a, been around a while, but if you start watching it, you cannot stop these massive walls of water that Mother Nature provides and these thrill seekers that take them on. It's phenomenal stuff. We also have the vault in uh, about uh, at about two forty. And about 3.45, we'll catch up with Jimmy Smith. So still a lot to come. We'll take new sport and weather on the other side. Uh, or soon-ish, we'll catch up with Hugh Bainan.
<laughs> Friday itis, we call that Maniah. Just took your eye off the ball there a little bit. But BP wouldn't have been the same without um, uh, How Bizarre coming in for you. Oh, yes, I was wondering what was going on there for a moment. But, uh, yeah, afternoon team, and um, how we doing? Enjoying the cricket? Loving uh, it. So far, I mean, yeah. Session, really good first session for, for New Zealand and particularly that first hour when we, we had them 20 something what do we have them 21 for 3 I thought here we go here we go uh, but Root and Harry Brook have, have stuck in and um, makes it for an amazing second session BP the price of the draw I love watching having spent 20 odd years at the bookmaking desk I love watching the price of the draw and the reaction yeah. and overreaction to it it's just Two teams, but the draw gets all the focus. Doesn't it? I mean, what did it get to? About $7? Yeah, $7 when they were three down, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, that's that, that's the one that holds the most, most stakes money before a ball was bowled was the draw. And we spoke about, you know, the forecast and punters loving the fact that they can bet on something where they believe the weather's going to intervene. Uh, and it was 450 to around 360 held 65% of our money. Um, it was a $1,500 bet and a $1,000 bet today placed on that draw. We have seen money on England, though, at the same time uh, today. Uh, we've taken 1500 on England at $1.99. Of course, the Black Caps have just tightened up. We've seen a little bit of money trickling their way, especially when they were starting to get on top. Um, and in terms of top run scorer, a, a lot of putters are on Harry Brook and Joe Root. So they're actually currently at the crease. So they're our two best-backed uh, top run scorers for... England, but yeah, a bit of a watch on what happens in the, in the next couple of sessions coming up uh, in the cricket. Uh, I want you to, if you can, switch over to the NBA and take me to the Philadelphia 76ers Memphis Grizzlies game, because we've got a James Harden theory, which we won't bore you with, but it's, it's, it's intriguing. Basically, if he's playing in a town that has high um, TripAdvisor and Google ratings for their uh, houses of ill repute, the nighttime um, establishments. James Harden turns up and plays very poorly in the adult entertainment capitals of uh, America. Um, we're expecting him to be very poorly performed. What's it look like Philadelphia against the Memphis Grizzlies book? Well, I can tell you that there certainly was a, a special that was taken thanks to our friends from Bycats. Uh, around uh, James Harden under 21 and a half uh, <laughs> and at a dollar 85 was that current price uh, in, in terms of the betting around that match um, 76s were, were really well found in, in terms of the head to head market at around that dollar 67 price but um, yes there's a fair few watching uh, that particular option is what I'd say around James Harden under um, 21 and a half. BP, Manaya Stewart, SNZ. Uh, what do you read into the fact that Harden has shown up today with a headband on? <laughs> Does that change the line at all? <laughs> do you want me to well, you want me to bring it down a few more points, do you think? Is that, is that, is that the chat here? Yeah, I'd still go under it. I just think that the headband, he's planning on sweating. He looks like a rec league player tonight. <laughs> I think it's a lock. <laughs> Well, look, and, and hopefully for your sake as well, I, I do believe you, you, you're one leg down in your multi uh, from, from yesterday, so yep. this will keep it rolling, is that right? That's right, and uh, they're two minutes into the game and James Harden hasn't even taken a shot yet. Oh, gee. 
<laughs> you're you are a lock. I think you're you're home, James. It's gravy. Let's call it now. Let's go to the early crow. Mm. Um, let's go to some rugby, shall we? Shall Please, we some rugby staff. Please. Um, <laughs> let's just get this back on an even keel, shall we? Um, Crusaders one forty five. There's been some money for them today uh, around that dollar forty five price. Uh, well found, Chiefs. Maybe they found their line that they were around that three dollar price and now two eighty. Uh, Waratahs, money for them. Waratahs at 210. They play tonight also against the Brumbies, 177. We have seen some money on the Brumbies, 1 to 12 marketplace. Do bear in mind if you do have a bet on the winning team in margin, get the team right, but the margin wrong, you do get a bonus bet up to $50. Uh, a couple of other games before we leave at staff. Uh, Moana Pacifica, a uh, bit of money for them at 215 against the Drua. Drua, 172. And the Blues and Canes are the two teams. They continue to get well played through multis in the head-to-head market. Blues one thirty-five and the Canes at a dollar forty-seven. Beautiful work, BP. As always, enjoy your uh, your night of footy and your weekend of racing. It's going to be a good three days for you, and of course the cricket. Certainly will be. Cheers, Steph. Have a good one, mate. Cheers, buddy. Brendan Popperwell from the TAB. You go to tab.co.nz or you download the app, which makes it much more simpler for you. And uh, all of those options are there, the live betting options. In particular, the Memphis Grizzlies, uh, Philadelphia, uh, two and a half minutes in. James Harden has uh, one turnover. Um, He's committed a turnover. He has no rebounds, no points. Unfortunately, he's just shot a three-pointer and been fouled on that three-pointer. He now has four points in the first quarter. No. You can't foul a man 30 feet away from the hoop who's just been on leave for a week. Oh, there it is. It's just gone on to my box score now. Okay. 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 Um, We'll take a break. When we come back, we're going to catch up with Hugh Bain and we'll talk some basketball, but nothing about James Harden. Uh, 102 for three at the Basin. They have resumed play post-lunch. Root on 24, Brook 51, not out. Uh, 102 for three. Uh, Tim Southey with the ball in his hand halfway through his first over post-lunch. Might be second over, actually, post-lunch with figures of 1 to 28. And while there is a test match in Wellington with the Black Caps, the Tall Blacks have a test match tonight in Christchurch taking on Saudi Arabia and Hugh Bainan from Sky Sport. He's been around basketball for a long, long time and he joins us now. G'day, Hugh. G'day, Steffi. Um, World Cup qualifier against Saudi Arabia. Um, I think pretty special. It's the first time in five years the Tall Blacks have played in Christchurch. That, that's cool for the region. Really cool for the region, yeah. And, you know, yes, the Tall Blacks are already qualified for the World Cup. Yes, uh, they should be dispatching of Saudi Arabia with relative ease. Um, but the game's still really important. You know, the Tall Blacks rarely get to play uh, in New Zealand, let alone in Christchurch. So um, really important for the brand, uh, for the Tall Blacks, for, to get out and about in the community and, and get people to come and see them at home, and, and especially the ne- next generation of basketball fans, to get a chance to see their, their heroes. Um, but also important for the players to be able to play in front of friends and family. Just a special feeling every time they get to do that. Now, the Tall Blacks, they did have two losses in their qualifiers last year. But as you say, they're already qualified. But Saudi tonight and Lebanon on Monday. But if, if you're in the Saudi camp, they can still make it. They've got India after New Zealand, but they do need to beat New Zealand. I know it's a tall order, but they're going to give everything. Oh, they're here to win. You know, I was lucky enough to be invited along to Tall Blacks shoot around this morning and caught the end of the Saudi Arabia one. And, you know, they're here to, to give it their best shot. They're, they're no uh, easy beats. Um, 
Callbacks will be favourites, and rightly so. But um, this Saudi Arabia team, they've come. They know they've still got a chance to get to the World Cup in uh, Japan, the Philippines, and Indonesia later this year. So that's their only goal at the moment. So uh, it's a tough one for the Tallbacks to scout for as well. Both teams, really. There's not much available footage out there or and not much time to to pull what is available uh, on the Saudi Arabian team. So a lot's going to go on, on field and then as the game progresses tonight. Um, but, yeah, they're, they're certainly not going to come and just lie down for the Tallbacks, that's for sure. And while the Tall Blacks have already qualified, these next two games, Saudi, as I say, tonight, and I think Monday is Lebanon. Is is it about positioning yourself now with two wins to get a better draw for, for, for the Worlds? Yeah, you don't want to roll in on losses either from a momentum point of view. Um, it's about positioning yourself for the seeding, but it's also about, for the players, um, putting your hand up for World Cup selection, right? We know there's some players not involved uh, in this window that will likely be involved come the World Cup because uh, they're unavailable because there's club commitments, especially with the breakers. Um, we've got a grand final to prepare for. Uh, so there's some players in this side who um, you need to stamp their authority if they want to seat on the plane later in the year. And there's some youngsters, young Walter Brown making just his second uh, appearance what a great chance it is for him after a year with, with Tasmania as a development player. Um, Sam Wardenberg uh, making his debut after a good year with the Cairns Taipans, uh, a late addition coming just arriving on Wednesday from after Cairns got knocked out uh, of the Australian NBL. So a great chance for him. Uh, and he'll get a run tonight as well. So uh, And some of the older older faces, Ethan Raspatch, you know, um, playing in his hometown. How key will be he be tonight? A real chance for him to, to lock himself into a spot for the World Cup. So, yeah, multiple facets uh, of importance for this game. Yeah, I, one player I wanted to ask you about was Sam Wardenberg um, making his debut tonight, which is incredibly exciting for him. Uh, and a good season, as you say, with Ken. So, what's he going to bring to a tall black setup? Uh, a real athleticism. Like when you see Sam, uh, and no, no dig to Sam. He doesn't look like, you know, your prime athlete uh, on the basketball court, but the man can get up with the best of them. Um, but also he's a real smart basketball player. Talking to coach, uh, assistant coach of the tall bass, Mike Fitchett, about Sam, and he just says he's my kind of player. You know, just the way he plays, the way he sees the game, uh, one or two steps ahead uh, as well. He doesn't have the muscle of some of um, his bigger teammates, like Torhey Smith-Milner, for example, or Tyrell Harrison, uh, but those smarts um, help you stay one one step ahead of the game, kind of like Mick of a you know, back in the day, could just read where that ball was going to go. Um, and that's obviously a praise to uh, compare him to Mick Vukona. I don't want to heap too much pressure on Sam, but yeah, we're excited to see uh, where this Tall Blacks career takes him. How do you think the other international teams that take on New Zealand, what what's the Tall Blacks trademark? What's their calling card? Is it physical? Is it perimeter shooting? How will they scout us? Pace. We are, you know, the last World Cup in 2019, by far the fastest team in the world. By far the fastest team in the world. And by pace, I don't just mean the speed of the players. Like when the likes of Shaley are around, yes, that comes into it. But the speed of play, possessions, you know, per 100 minutes, we were well ahead um, of the pack in 2019. And that's been the tall black start of play for for a few years now since Paulie Hennaday introduced it uh, when he was head coach two World Cups ago. So um, that's going to be the key again tonight. Really important having Isaac Fotu back for the Tallbacks in that regard. He spearheads that as the as the big. Um, and so just fire that ball up the court, straight into a corner, get the shot up as quickly as you can. So that's going to be uh, number one scout for every team we play. They know that. Um, but the Tall Blacks know that as well. And uh, it's an exciting way to play. And it's a way of play that, has, you know, basketball is trying to filter down through 
um, through every age grade and every school and the way, way basketball is played in this country. I love that we've got something unique about us, but what you're going to have to have, Hugh, is A, fitness, and B, a bench, because it's going to, you're going to have to go to your bench because it's an exhausting way to play a game of attrition. But so are the opposition. If they want to keep up, they're going to have to go to their bench now. So it's almost more than a five-man game. Oh, depth is huge, obviously. You know, in basketball, rolling subs compared to other sports we're used to, rugby and football. So those players on and off. I mean, yes, the likes of Ruben Tarangi, lucky to play 30-plus minutes, but really important will be the bench minutes from your likes of Ethan Raspatch, uh, Hiram Harris, you know, built for this kind of style of play uh, is going to be key and increasingly key for the tall blades going forward. Um, so, yeah, those guys are going to be really important off the bench. And that second unit can be the real difference if the first units cancel each other out or almost cancel each other out score-wise. Second unit comes off the bench and that could be the, the plus 10 or the plus 20 difference you need to get the win. What's the points differential at full time, do you think? Oh, I'd be expecting the Tall Blacks to get a, a win from the 10 to 20 range at least tonight. Um, I think anything less than that, I think the Perro and, and the coaching team will, will be disappointed. Uh, win, first and foremost, is what they're here to do, obviously. Um, but yeah, I think uh, 10 plus or 10 to 20 range, I think is where I see the win coming. Brilliant, Hugh. Well, it's fantastic you're down across you. And you've, uh, you're at Crusaders training as well. You're just spreading yourself out. Well, yeah, I've crossed codes recently and started a new role with the mighty Tasman Marco in the Bunnings MPC. And um, they sent me down for a bit of professional development with the Crusaders this week, which I'm not complaining about because what a, what a world-class organisation. So, yeah, lucky that uh, the Tall Blacks happen to be in town and I'm lucky enough to get, get myself along to training as well, see some old friends. But, yeah, no, exciting times. You feel like the Crusaders and the Tall Blacks will both have a win? Uh, yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> yeah. Have to say that. Have to say that. Hey, you, yeah. Fabulous to catch up with you, mate. We'll, we'll stay in touch. Thanks, Steffi. Uh, we're on James Harden watch. Uh, his team are down 26-15. James Harden's not currently on the court. We need him to score 21 or less. He has six points currently on the bench. Um, so you'd have to say he's ahead of the game. If he scores six points a quarter, he's going to get 24. He looked tired though. I don't. I wouldn't bring him back on if I was them. Yeah, keep him out. I reckon they rest him. I just keep looking at his fouls. I don't. I don't even know if he's committed a foul yet. Well, that'll, that'll be because he doesn't play defense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's going to be hard to commit a foul. Yeah, no fouls. He's committed two turnovers. He has got one steal. Uh, six points for James Harden. Uh, show me the money bet. Uh, we got the first leg up. This is the second leg. So I'll keep you up to date with that. Uh, some text messages have come through in the first couple of hours. Let's get through some of those. Um, people may ring to whine on the radio, but we'll continue to vote for those who intentionally delay things like stadiums. So that's quite late, uh, late to the piece that me reading out. Thank you for that text. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, that um, people don't vote in local body. I'm not going to do politics. People don't vote in local body elections. It's just the way it is. Uh, staff, Colin Mainsbridge is always putting photos on Twitter. Foundations are built for the new stadium, but not sure of a completion date. Thank you, Paul. Uh, Staffy, the new stadium is about 10 minutes walk from Lancaster Park. I walked to Lancaster Park from Central City once, not realising it's actually just a tad bit far to walk. You can walk it. It's much easier to walk. <clears throat> From the stadium back to town? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Once, yeah. Yeah. Walking towards town, it's you're going towards an oasis. You're not walking away from it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, 
uh, from Mark and Lower Hutt, the person I feel sorry for in this cricket situation at the moment is Mike Hessen, seeing all his hard work that him and Baz put into that team being completely undone by Stead and White. Such a disappointment. We need Fleming now. There's quite a resound, there's quite a ground force of support for Stephen Fleming to take the helm. I, <laughs> there's no speculation that, that um, Stead's on the way out or anything like that. There's no speculation or any murmurings that we're going to have a white ball coach and a red ball coach and whether Stead would be one or none of those. None of that's come out. Um, so it'll be interesting to see in the fullness of time what happens with the leadership Um Mark has sent through a midday madness topic. I love it. So we're going to do it on Monday, Mark. So get your thoughts over the weekend, people. He says, rules you would like to bring into sport, like a four-point shot line in basketball. Mine would be the five in T20 cricket. A one-bounce four becomes a five. I absolutely love that. Brilliant. That will be a great topic. Manaya is fizzed about it as well. Uh, any questions for Jeremy Paul? He's on after the news. Send them in to us now. mentioned earlier that Mark has set up on a SENZ Afternoons League on the SENZ Rugby Terry. I just joined it, Mark. I've just joined it. So I hope I can join more than one because that's the second one I've joined and I hope it doesn't remove me from the other one. So I am in there. Um, just the details on that actually which I have here. SENZ Super Rugby Tipping Comping is open. Uh, Ultimate New Zealand sports experience for you and a mate worth two and a half grand. You can sign up now. Actually, you better do it today. You better do it now, actually. Tipping.senzradio.nz. Bragging rights with you, with your group of mates. And uh, everyone goes into a great big pool to win that prize. Um, but you can have a little offshoot. So I'm in SENZ Afternoons, and the other one I've got is, I can't remember the name of it, but I joined that one last night, um... Our, mate, our wonderful Warriors fan set that one up. What did he call it? Faithful or matter of faith or something something warrior-ish. Um, but we're going to, I think we've got him up. We've got him up. He's ready to go. Here it is. It's time for the Jeremy Paul Show with your hosts, Mark Stafford and Jeremy Paul. Jeremy Paul Show. <laughs> How good's that? <laughs> How are you, bro? Oh, I love it. Actually, my, I had it on speaker so my wife could hear it. Just, just to reinforce, it's the Jeremy Paul Show. I think your wife would potentially be the greatest Australian I've ever met. Ow, that hurt. <laughs> got a slap. <laughs> <laughs> 
Mate. Yes, she is. She is, bro. She is by far the best Australian. Yeah, she is. Uh, where are you? Sounds like you're at a sports event. I am, bro. I'm doing the whole work-life balance thing. Um, got work phone in one hand, uh, watching my daughter at a state touch carnival in the other, um, in a regional town called Dubbo. Dubbo. Um, oh, it's a great greyhound Dubbo. track at Dubbo. There is, mate. The Dubbo... Uh, Greyhounds, as well as the uh, the Trotters, the Dubbo, Dubbo Cup. But, um, yeah, mate, look, trying to, uh, yeah, I, I try and get her to do a bit of training with me, but I'm too intense. Yeah. I'm too intense with her. So you just I'm need like, to relax, JP, mate. Just, just, I, do, I, I know. I know. I'm like, don't waste my time. <laughs> <laughs> now, I said to you I want to talk some rugby, but, you know, we asked for questions. The first question is about cricket. From Kenny, yes. he says, can you ask Jeremy Paul what his thoughts are on the Australian cricket test team, in particular what he makes of their spring bowling options, and also ask him, so it's a three-part question, ask him what he makes of the corrupt Indian groundsman. Thanks, Kenny. <laughs> wow, Kenny. Good to see you, bro. Um, well, first thing is, right, Like, and, uh, I think Alan Border actually, actually made the best comment is – we try, we've tried to pick a team to the conditions rather than pick a team that we're strong with. And he suggested, actually, after the first test, after that, after that Salakin against the Indians, is go back to what we're strong at and have, a, have three pace bowlers. Um, and Nathan Lyon is our spin option. Um, and how, why they dropped Travis Head in the first test. Mm. Uh, astounds me when he's been player of the series like twice. Like, it's just... And he's, he's, he's one of those players that you want in a team. When things have been tough, he has stood up. And, yes, he hasn't had great form with respect to, you know, over in India in previous tours, well, one previous tour. But his confidence by far has shot through the roof after his, after his performances in the Ashes in the recent Test Series in Australia. So I thought he was really hard done by. And then he came in and opened and, and was one of the highest scorers in the second um, in the second innings in the last test match, so uh, selection selection is always a big thing in sport. Right? Like, and I, I just feel that um, we haven't been playing to our strengths, and I, I'm a little bit frustrated too. Like, I don't know how you could bring a, a player in, like Hanskin, for example. Um, look, he did well in terms of, of of his batting, but I mean, he hasn't played a test match in so long. Like, I just You've got to pick players that are in form, and I just feel the incumbents. It, it put a little bit of angst through the team, like it really did. And so, because players need that little bit of security. Um, and look, my God, I'm not even going to get into the debate of, of corrupt, corrupt sports and cricket, but <laughs> oh my God, I remember watching one interview. I remember watching um, Ashradin, I think it was. He, he had uh, the old Indian captain, and he had something like a you know, a couple of hundred million US in his account. And he was like, he was saying, that's not me in the video. It's not me. No, 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 it's not me. It's not, yeah, of course it's not. Mate. Like, isn't it just horrible? Like, you know, the Hansi Conyer incident as well. Cricket, because of the spot betting, right? The spot betting. Like, yeah. we saw it with Pakistan as well. Like, those ridiculous no balls. Like, it was just, yeah, mate. I, I, there's no place for it in sport. Um, and I think, it, you know, when we look at, from a, from a drug testing point of view, if, if players are caught um, with illegal substances to try and enhance their sport, then 
I think betting's the same. Right? Mm. I think if you get done, you should go and not come back into the sport. Let's hit rugby. I want to mainly focus on the Australian teams, JP, because we've really analysed the New Zealand teams here. But before we do, Ozzy, Crusaders Chiefs kicks, kicks it off tonight. I just, it's mouth-watering, this matchup. I oh, mean, actually, the whole competition this weekend is fantastic, isn't it? It's, and there's a bit of a there's a bit of a vibe with Australian rugby, but obviously, all eyes are on New Zealand rugby. And I think, look, I think after the Chiefs' performances last year, I think they've got a bit of a chance here. Like, and it's always you love playing the Crusaders in round ones and two, bro. Like, that's the best time to play them. Mm. <laughs> they they're normally they're normally pretty late starters, but um, oh, look, World Cup year players are going to want to like a long off season um you do feel for the for the all black players uh, any sort of international rugby players i hope they've recovered enough to start but look if, if they're smart this year they'll manage their time but look you just can't go past the crusaders man crusaders are just oh they they epitomize consistency and and they really are just the team across all different types of sports mate that as an organization you you want to copy so I would have to say the Crusaders by two points. Um, Waratahs, Brumbies, I think will be the top two Australian teams. Uh, I yeah. think, and I know it's hard in, in game one. Um, who do you tip your hat towards for the opening match? Well, it's interesting because we, we've got look. I'm, I don't really. I concentrate here on the Brumbies, but um, it's interesting they've gone with Lonigan and Depressini at nine ten. Um, obviously, Stephen Larkin has worked a lot with with these two in the off season, and then you've got the experience, obviously, of of Nick White and uh, Noah Lelicio coming off the bench. And I, I think I think Noah Lelicio is actually going to be a player to watch this year. I think having the ability to to have someone like Stephen Larkin as your coach, where it's not just about obviously the skill acquisition you learn during the week, but it's the reviewing, it's the time and space that you can create, you know, not just obviously for yourself, but for the players and the direction around you. Though. So I'm very, I'm interested to see where he goes. But there's big raps on young Debrasini because hey, guess what? He went and got, well, he went back to the NPC and played over there. Yeah. Oh, there's there's a formula for you. Hey, let's send some kids over there. Oh my I've only been saying it for a decade, but anyway. Um, and look, this young Lonigan, he's, there's two brothers. And um, the other Lonigan is the reserve hooker, which he's um, lucky. He's on the bench. Um, but this young nine, um, Ryan Lonigan, he's he captain Australia, eh? and I think it will be one and lost between those two positions because um, Ford Pack is incredibly solid. Like, it, like it, incredibly solid. Um, I love the back row. I, love, I think Pete Samu and Rob Bellantini were the best two players for the Brumbies last year. I'm just mm. excited to see where Rob Bellantini goes to again. Like, I think if he can lift, lift another level this year, oh my goodness, like he's he's getting to world's best, uh, top three anyway. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's 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 a mouth watering. And I, I, look, for me personally, I love to see. Um, I can't wait to see Michael Hooper return. Yeah, I'm the same. We've all loved. Yeah, yeah, I love. I think under, because I've known the coach Darren Coleman for oh, 15 odd years. He's a Brumbies guy, of course. I'm a Brumbies man. <laughs> um, he's the coach, and he's really brought a wonderful culture to this Waratah side, hasn't he? And I just think, I think um, he's got good leaders with Jake Gordon, and um, you know, when, when you look at this young kid, I've seen him play since he was 19, 20, and I've always had a big rap on him. 
Um, but it's just, I just like the way he's brought this wonderful culture to the side. So, because see, mate, even though it kills me, a strong Waratahs is a strong Australian rugby. Yeah, we need a strong Waratahs. And, but look, let's not rule out the Reds, bro. Like the Reds, like they, they're probably because they had their disappointing season last year, and our man Tate McDermott. Like I think, I just I love watching this kid play, man. And I think he's gonna, I think he's gonna have another big year. And I think if they can stay injury free, and James O'Connor in particular. Um, at ten, I think if he can stay injury free, then yeah, that mate, that'll be the surprise back or something. I see there's a liner wearing the ten jersey for the Reds this weekend. I know, right? Look, actually, we've mate, we've seen a couple of the youngsters, especially in the NRL, right? We've seen in the NRL. Have you seen Brad Fitler's boy? Have you seen Freddie Fitler's boy play footy? No. Oh my goodness, he's a sixteen-year-old. He's like 103 kilos at seventeen. Yeah, I'm Brad, Brad Fiddler's boy, and he's got that big white foot stamp. Like it's, oh, it's unbelievable. Well, there's a lot of kids coming through the NRL. It's great to see. But, yeah, Michael Liner's boy, look, he, obviously he was over in England, and then he's come back. And, look, again, it's learning your craft away from Australia, which is obviously, again, just shows how poor our pathways are for players. But, mm. now there's some big raps on this kid, and I think England were pretty keen. Eddie Jones was pretty keen to keep him over in England. So it'll be interesting to see how he runs. Yeah, I think he played England age group or something. Yeah, fact. no, he did. He, yeah, no, he did. He played under 20s, I think. Mm. Um, and so, like, there was a choice. Like, he could have stayed over there and, and, and aligned himself with England, but he decided to come back to Australia, which is great to see him and the other two teams we don't often talk about, but the Western Force and the Melbourne Rebels, will they bother any teams apart from each other? Look, I'm interested to see how the Force goes. Um, Simon Cron, he's an old New Zealand uh, boy, um, and his, I think his cousin is actually was the Crusaders scrum coach. Hurricanes. Um, so yeah, Hurricanes. So yeah, and so I look. So I, I had a bit to do with him when I was in a little bit of club rugby here, and I think he's he went away to Japan and learned under Steve Hansen. So I oh, look. I said to him four years ago, I can't wait till you come back because I think you're, you're you're made for Super Rugby. So again, I think it starts with the top. I think if Simon can, and I love actually he said a wonderful comment the other day. He said it's not about the rebuild plan. Coaches use rebuild as an excuse. It's about Mate, like with Andrew Forrest, Tricky Forrest over there, with 17 million, who's been investing into the game, um, all sports over Western Australia, is oh, he's got the backing. So I think if they can continually develop, because you need, mate, you need your own patch. You need to be able to produce your own players. Oh, no, I, look, I don't think, that, I, I, again, I don't think they're going to win as many as they lose, but um, I think for the Rebels and the Force, they have to make sure that the losses are no more than 10 to 15 points. That's what you can build on for the following. Right, what's the score in your touch, time, touch game? There's a lot, there's a bit of wind, there's a bit of crowd noise and sorry, lots bro. of clapping. Oh, sorry, bro. Yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm just sitting there talking to you and watching other games. There's 7,000 people. Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's a hell of a lot of them. So, um, no, yeah, it's, I'm waiting, actually. It's not on until 12.30. Last game, we've got to be out of here. All right, JP. We'll carry on. You enjoy your day and all the best to your family, mate. Thanks, bro. Go the Brumbies. Go, you boys. <laughs> Go, you Brumbies, according to Jeremy Paul. Yeah, it was um hard listen, but it's... um. 
Oh, Kenny, I've just noticed your text message. Can you ask JP how many points he thinks the Chiefs will lose by? Cheeky. Um, oh, and sorry, this one here. Oh, I wish I'd seen that one before. So I will, I'll pick that up next week, asking JP about a young Brungbees 5'8 prospect named Cullen Gray. His preference was to play for the Warriors, but was one, unwanted by them once he left school. I will, I will text him during the week, uh, that texter, and see if he can have a bit of a sniff out with, with his Brumbies connections, what the raps are on. Um, Cullen Gray, there you go. And I just saw, and I'm just hurriedly trying to find it, that um, starting at fullback for the Western Force, because people don't know anything about their teams, there's a fullback by the name, and they've just got Tia Tia. Is that Chase Tia Tia? I'm having a very quick look squad list. Um, Bryce Higgity. Bryce Higgity. I think he played rugby league. Uh, it is Chase Tia Tia is starting at fullback for the Western Force. Incredibly gifted, off-the-cuff, attacking player. Very good. With one of the most unique warm-up routines I've ever seen. You know, when they're down in the dead ball line doing their different warm-ups and the kickers are kicking and the and the uh, props are just banging into each other's shot. Chase Tia he stands on the dead ball line and has a stare down with the padded goalpost and then he charges it and steps it and looks back and goes, gotcha. <laughs> and he does it for a long time. I'd love to do a show actually one day on warm-up routines. Cody Taylor's got one of the best ones as well. All Blacks Crusaders, the whole thing, which is why I've given them the nickname the Big Diesel because they're all doing their bits and pieces and gentle stretching. Cody Taylor is running length of the field, length of the field, sit up, press up, length of the field, length, of, and he is drenched in sweat in the warm-up. And I said, mate, don't, don't you feel like you're using all your energy before the game? And he had one of the greatest replies, takes a long time to warm up a motor this big. And I thought, that's great. It's a big diesel, Cody Taylor. Really hope he has a great season as well. If he's firing, some of Sony Taukiaho's firing, um, Dane Coles is firing. Forget their ages, people. If those three are firing, we're well looked after in the hooker stocks. Just seeing if there's any other... Uh, familiar names, Isaac Rodders in the force. Um, Kane Corteka, wonder if he's related to Paul. Probably is with a name like Corteka. Um, of course, Jeremy Thrush is retired. Uh, I think he's Ford's coach though. And Richard Kahui's retired as well. So not a lot of names. Oh, Tony Pulu, uh, the former county's wing. He's playing for the force. Um, Tom Horton, Tim Anstey. That's sort of the uh, only names that I recognise that jump out off the wall from me for the Western Force. Um, <clears throat> we need an update on uh, James Harden, of course. He needs less than 21 points. Have you got that box score there? I have. 12. Uh, yeah, he's not far off. Uh, we'll upgrade that to 14. He's just had another two free throws as well and they've gone to a timeout. Here's our only hope. This game could really run away on the 76ers here. Memphis are, are trouncing them. So he scored 14. He's gone to the line a handful of times. Um, so if this game gets away on the 76ers, they'll sit him. Oh, will they? Yeah. Just park him. Just park him. Unless they get within, you know, a hair's breath. But if they, if it's going to be 20 points or more come half time, it, it could 
be a lot of James oh, Harden. 52-35 at the moment. Mm. So 17-point lead. Mm. How long to go in this? I haven't got a clock. Far here. too long. Oh, <laughs> far, there. far too long. Oh, but six minutes to go. Six, it's not looking good. It's not looking good at Laura all. Laura no. averages isn't looking good. So we need foul trouble. We need an injury. Or we need an absolute blowout to Memphis. And Harden says to the coach, I ain't playing in this crap. That's I'm, the most likely scenario. I'm going to the club. Yeah. That's what we need James Harden to do. Yes, we do. All right, we'll have a quick break. We'll come back after that. Um, is it goodbye to any more any more wickets, Manoa? No more wickets, no. Um, and Harry Brooks living up to his uh, his reputation. Eighty runs off eighty eight balls, eleven fours, strike rate of ninety. Two sixes, Jeepers. He's tonking it. He is tonking it. So they are a hundred and forty one for three, thirty six and a half overs. Daryl Mitchell. Uh, not the greatest bowling figures for Mitchell. Um, five and a half overs, none for 32. Bracewell has only had the one over, and that was just before lunch. So if these two just keep on trucking, as they seem to be, Root and Brook, I would expect we'll see him introduced or reintroduced before not too long. Actually, a shot now of Blair Tickner on the sideline. So great to see he made it down there after the tragedy that has struck his um, his parents' place in Hawke's Bay. I saw some pictures of it on social media yesterday. Um, gosh, just one of thousands of properties that have been damaged down there. And I understand it's raining down there again in Hawke's Bay, so our thoughts are with you all if you happen to be listening. or Gosh, just, what you're having to deal with is, is shocking. Tim Southey still 13 overs, 1 for 30. Matt Henry, 12 overs, 2 for 40. Mitchell is about to complete his sixth over, uh, none for 33. Uh, Neil Wagner just the five overs for Neil, none for 27, and Michael Bracewell none for five. And just repeating, Joe Root not out 33, Harry Brook not out 80. It looks like they've just gone down for a gentle single, so they'll be 143 for three. Zach Crawley out for two, Duckett out for nine, Ollie Pope is out for 10. Still to come on, uh, we've still got an hour and a half to go here and uh, I see Kimberly Downs has arrived in the building so she'll be co-hosting with I'd Imagine Beef for the run home, 4 till 7. Um, very soon, well actually in about half an hour we've got a documentary and movie maker who chases the biggest waves in the world. He's got a YouTube channel and Instagram and I've been following him for ages. I asked him for a chat today and he said sure. So very much looking forward to that just after three. Remember at about 2.40ish, we're going to play The Vault. We had a contestant yesterday, went through seven questions, has narrowed it down and you get five today. And if you don't get through and you think I'll just wait on Monday and Tuesday, you only get three questions. So take those five, take those five that you'll have the opportunity to play today. And it's a $150 TAB bonus bet that is up for grabs. We'll also catch up with Jimmy Smith across the ditch. And we'll have a look back in the day. We, we got my, what's making news at some stage? Uh, I don't know. It's Did you do there. one? It's, it's not, not in there. Have you got one? I can find one. You can find Maybe we'll do that after. We'll do news and then find out what else is making news. Should we, is that long enough for you, Manoa? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> no, we'll find some. We'll find some. <laughs> All right. Johnny Max New Sport and Weather. We'll be right back after that. Welcome back in, team. Um, someone just asked me what Richie McCaw's warm-up routine was like. He'd literally play a game before the game, 100%. Yep. Those guys that go for 80, they're actually going for about 120 because their warm-ups are phenomenal. And Kenny just texts through Cullen Grace. I think that means enough said. Um, Brent's called him from Brisbane. G'day, Brent. Hey, Staffy. How are you? Good, thanks, Brent. Oh, mate, looking forward to the rugby season starting. So the rugby tonight. How's your reds going to go, mate? No, I'm, I'm Crusaders. Ah, I believe it. I'm born in Brighton, but still support the Crusaders. But you know how you were talking about Tom Liner? Yes. He's born in Italy, raised in England, and decided to come back and play for the Reds, right? But his older brother, Lewis, he plays in English club rugby and is in the English outer squad. So oh, okay. um, it's interesting that, he, interesting that he chose to come back and follow. Apparently, he's a gun. And his, his nickname is, believe it or not, Tommy Turbo, like Tommy Dravojevic <laughs> in the rugby league. Is it really? Yeah. Hey, have you watched? Have you been lucky enough to watch any Six Nations? Yeah, I've watched most of it. I love it. Did you watch Ireland and France? Oh, of course I did. My goodness, it's got to be the best game I've seen in a couple of years. Like, wow. Even Johnny Sexton, he was like turning 38 this year. He went off in the 48th minute and... Ireland still put the foot down and they, you know, unbeaten at home, I think, 13 or 14 games. And France had won 14 on the trot and were looking good. But Ireland, tell you what, they're going to be scary in the World Cup this year. If they can keep the momentum going that they've built up over the last 12 months, you know, coming to New Zealand, winning their first ever series, looking so good in the um, Six Nations, as you say, they are going to be scary, scary good at World Cup. Hey, with the World Cup, one thing I don't like about the World Cup, though, is why do they keep making their pools based on the results from four years ago? Because, like, oh, you look at 2019, you got South Africa 1, England 2, New Zealand 3, Wales 4. Unfortunately, in Pool A, is France and New, France and New Zealand. Pool B is Ireland, South Africa and Scotland, and Scotland are in good form, too. There could be a chance that South Africa might not even make the past quarterfinals. Yeah, and us. And the All Blacks might not make it past the quarterfinal. I mean, well, it's scary. It's, it's scary. It really is. Yeah, you sort of want the top four teams. And, and current form's the most important thing when you go into a tournament. And I think they could do the draw in November, the year before the World Cup. And it would be a true reflection, I feel. Yeah, it would be good. Anyway, I won't hold you up longer, but next week I'd probably like to give you a call if I can and talk about drugs and sport and Peter Bowl and positive A, like Patrick Tui Chalupu, and then all of a sudden the B sample comes back negative. Okay, I look forward to that call, Brent. You do that. All right. Good on you, buddy. I just want to, just so you know, the WADA urine test is only 60 to 70% accurate, and the WADA blood test is only 93% accurate. There we go. Okay. I'll talk to you about next week. Good man. Look forward to it, Brent. 
been out of Brisbane there, an expert on drugs and sport. That came out of left field. That came out of left field. Ninety-three percent is pretty accurate. Ninety-three is pretty good. But what did he say? The A sample was sixty to seventy, and the B sample was ninety-three. Is that what he said? It's because when they test a B sample, it's because they've developed some new test. That's why they take the B sample. It's for testing down the road. Oh, so A is an indicator that there's something awry, and the B sample is, right, we're going to test it real good. Uh, it's more like if they suspect that a player's been doping or if they've had so, like several inconsistencies come through, things like that, mm. or they've developed a new test and they're like, hold on, this thing works. <laughs> Let's let's run some of these old ones past it. Yeah, uh, Clayton's suggesting we should put the cricket on live instead of talking. I agree, Clayton. Yeah, but we'll, we'll we'll head to the pub. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have the broadcast rights, Clayton. It's that simple. When we do get them, you will be getting live cricket. Uh, we've got them when they're overseas, so we do that. But we don't have the local rights. Uh, but I appreciate you listening, and even though we haven't got the live the live cricket, uh, Clayton, um, I've read that one. And I've read that one. So I'm keeping up to date with your text messages. Always welcome them on the Temper Bed Post text machine. You know the number, double eight double three. You're on Afternoons with Staffy. That's in association with our friends at Gull. Uh, they fuel your mission all year round. They fuel me all year round. I, I, I filled up last night. Um, $2, what did I get it at? Two twenty a litre. How good's that? Because they had a special for, they have a special for about 36 hours. And I warned you about it yesterday, Two twenty odd. Yeah, it was two twenty a litre in, in Auckland. A, cheaper than a bottle of chips out at the cafe. Though. It is. It is. That's four litres of petrol for a bottle of chips in the cafe. <laughs> Thank God Devore doesn't listen to our show. All right, if you want to have a crack at the vault, we made some headway yesterday with seven questions. You get five today. 0800 If you can guess the momentous sporting moment that has been locked away in the vault, and you can get it through five yes-no questions in addition to the ones that we used yesterday. $150 TAB bonus bet is yours. Call us now for the vault, 0800 150 811. Five questions, one answer. Can you crack the vault? So is that five questions or not? Yeah, well, that was just the normal intro thing. <laughs> Couldn't find the five one to play the seven. That's, well, cruelly, it's been deleted here. Oh, that's punishing. All right. Uh, Finn Basimo, who is in the uh, hot box for us today, he has spun the wheel graciously on the interweb and come up with line two, who I'm reliably informed is Hamish from Matoda. Hi there. Hey, Hamish, how are you going? Hey, Hamish, how are you going? Oh. Yeah, not bad. It's a nice, beautiful day, Ryan. That's the story, mate. That's the story. Now, did you listen to the seven? Did, did you listen to the seven? You did. Yes, I did yesterday. Right, you got five questions. Yes, no questions, and then you get a guess. So, uh, crack into it. Uh, just before you crack into it, Hamish, do you mind turning your radio off in the background? I'm actually outside. Oh, well, some something. The wind. No, no, we're, we're hearing we're hearing ourselves back, but that's all right. You're going to do most of the talking. So, uh, give us your first question. Is it hockey? Gosh, is it hockey? I don't know, Manai knows. No, it's not. Okay, the next question is, is it cricket? Is it cricket? Am I echoing? Uh, <laughs> no, yes, it is cricket. Oh, it was nearly no, but you've gone yes. Okay, yes, it is cricket. you got three more questions. 
It was between 1990 and 2010. Between 1990 wow, and 2000. Oh, yeah, because there, there was a 1990 yesterday. Well, well played. Yesterday, yeah, well, played. well played. Is it between 1990 and 2010, Manai? No, it's not. No, it's not. Okay. That's in the last 13 years. Well done. Well done. Are you on a headset or something, Hamish? <laughs> no. No, I'm outside of it. It's pretty windy here. No, we're just hearing ourselves uh, back. That's are, you, all. are you in the corner oh, of the yes, studio? No. Are you on speakerphone? Uh, no. Nope. This is the weirdest thing. Anyway, carry on. you got two more questions. Is it in the North Island of New Zealand? The cricket played in New Zealand, in the North Island? Waiting. Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> it's in the North Island. That's no, either the Basin, Kettle Park, the Mount Monganui, uh, Eden Park, Napier. Okay, it's one of those five venues that I can think of at the moment. Okay. Uh, is it against India? Is it versus India? Good e question. E yes, it is. Yes, it is. Now you have to have a guess for a $150 TRB bonus bet. Hamish of Matoura. Is it New Zealand beating India at the Basin Reserve in 2011-12? There we go. Is it New Zealand beating India at the Basin Reserve Test in 2011-12? Manaya, chuck that in the vault. Chuck that in the vault. Geez, you've made some ground for the future contestants, though, Hamish, and you could be that one. Well done. I could be. I think I know what it is now, but, yeah, I just thought, um, I mean, I just had, to, just had to get the venue. That's the thing. Yeah. No, all good. And the team right. All good. Yeah. You've done well. Uh, nearly done really, really well. But you've really, it's going to go on Monday, isn't it, Manai? You get the feeling? He, yeah, yes. He did a lot of work. He carved off a lot of real estate there and really narrowed it down. Um, my palms started sweating towards the last few questions there. Okay. Uh, Is that a clue? Yeah. <laughs> uh, someone just asked me for an update on James Harden. I'm prepared to give you that. Uh, Memphis are leading 59-47. We need a bigger lead because we need James Harden to go to the bench. So he needs to score 21 or less mm -hmm. for our Show Me The Money to Stay Alive. And he's currently on... 16 at half time. <laughs> he's on track for 30 odd. What needs how many fouls has he got? He's got two fouls. Mm. When do they take them off when they hit four, eh? No, six. No, but they sit them down. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. Sit them down, foul trouble. Yep, absolutely. So he'll start the second half. Uh, maybe. They generally take them out towards the end of the uh, second quarter and put them in halfway through the third quarter. So then it extends their break. Right. Um, how old's James Harden? Uh, it'd be 32, 33. I've just clicked on him. Let's see how close you are. 34. He is height, weight, country, 33. Yeah. Played in the NBA for 13 years. He was the number three pick round one of the 2009 draft. Yep. And some say, a lot say, the worst trade in NBA history as well. He was traded for a bloke by the name of Kevin Martin. Who? <laughs> Six foot five hundred kilos. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That guy with the beard. 
can relate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the James Harden watch will continue, but I'm sort of looking at it through split fingers now because I'm too scared to see he's going to be getting points and eliminate our show me the money. But the protagonist that took that is on the show with us today, and that is Manoash. Did you hear about the um, Australia-India semi-final in the T20 Women's World Cup, how it finished? Uh, I, I, you mentioned it briefly before you uh, came in here to do the show. Yeah, so India needed um, they needed 16 runs off the last over. They went 2-2-1, two, two, first three balls, and then they thought that the uh, the batter had hit it for six and it was caught right on the boundary and then they went single four. So if it had been a six, super over or Cruel. whatever they do. So close. I can only think of one more heartbreaking way to lose a final in a World Cup. <laughs> and we did it. <laughs> and I've just seen one of the runouts to the Indians and um, she got her bat stuck in the ground and got run out because she hadn't crossed the line. Anyway, well, we will, I'll just check for technical messages. Oh, I love to read your messages. I was out of the truck. How did James Harden go, lads? Yeah, James, that's from James Harden himself. James Harden's just text saying, how am I going? How do, uh, we, how do we read into that, that he's texting into a New Zealand radio station at halftime? I know. His head's not in the game. To an ex-bookmaker. Yeah, wow. Wow, now we're talking. Wow, eh? Mm. Um, all right, uh, we'll have our last break before the news, and um, you're locked on to Afternoons with Staffy. Thanks to Gal, fueling your mission all year round. Get your text messages in if you would like to, double eight double three, or the phone number's 0800 back after this. Welcoming back in Kenny. What's up? Kenny. And that's Kenny indicating. Righto. So, <laughs> sorry, Kenny couldn't hear you. Um, Mark says the vault was juicy. I'm looking forward to Monday. Hi, Steph. Uh, Hamish from the Highlanders. Hamish. Oh, Hamish says the Highlanders are going to win by five. Hamish. Up the mighty Highlanders. Straight after the news, we're going to catch up with uh, Tim. Uh, Tim from, uh, he's got an Instagram account called Swell Chasers and he's got a YouTube channel called Surfing Visions. And I saw a in-depth interview he did, he put it up last night or the night before and he was talking to a guy about the biggest wipeout he's ever seen. Here's just a snippet from that interview he posted yesterday. They, they kind of look at me, do you want some? And it was one of those moments where I just knew I was going to say yes and boom we see the first wave and it's like yeah this is the wave okay we just knew it he looked back at me i say yeah okay we get up do a little turn i'm up and i'm i'm right into the thing trying to be deep enough to where i can come through i'm i'm trying to get barreled i'm like all right this is the biggest wave ever i'm i'm gonna charge this thing i'm gonna surf it the the best way i can you know setting up setting up it's going steeper 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 it's sucking up it feels like it's drawing me up the wave like i'm not even going forward anymore and it's and it was like roller coaster like click 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 and I can just, I see like the cliff, I can feel the thousands of people there watching, I can see the jet ski there, Laurent, the film crew was there, and boom, just this whole big vision, and then in that moment, it just lets me go. 
I would encourage you, even if you're not a surf fan, go and get onto YouTube and go and f- his channel's called Surfing Visions. That interview was 22 minutes long, and I saw it this morning because um, Tim said, yep, I'll come and have a chat to you. And I thought, I won't watch it all 22. I could not put it down. It was amazing. And they had the footage, as he was talking about different parts of the wave that he caught to being completely obliterated. They had the vision overlaid of him describing it. And he put you right there. A wonderful storyteller, this big wave surfer. Um, but yeah, it was it was amazing. Even if you're not into surfing, Surfing Visions is the channel on YouTube. His name's uh, Tim Benithan. He is going to join us straight after the news at three. Big wave surfer, big wave surf documentary and filmmaker. Been looking forward to this all week, and he will join us after Johnny Mac. Just to follow on what Johnny Max said, uh, Lydia's just booted the second hole as well, so she's now one shot off the lead, two under through two. Fantastic, fantastic. Right, this is the one I've been wanting to look forward to all day. His name's uh, Tim Benithan. He's got an Instagram page called Swell Chasers. He's got a YouTube channel called Surfing Visions. Um, and we welcome in Tim Benithan. Uh, it's the first time I've ever had a guest in Portugal. G'day, Tim. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, well, definitely on the other side of the planet right now. And uh, while you guys are all kind of dealing with uh, during the day, it's very dark here and getting on, sitting back, watching a movie, watching Mission Impossible fall, <laughs> fall out on Netflix and keeping in touch with um, the uh, fake reality, which uh, is not a lot of real reality here with the ocean. But, um, yeah, just cruising. I'd highly, recommend, I'd highly recommend you go on YouTube and, and follow and subscribe to Surfing Visions because there's some wicked uh, footage on there. Uh, in fact, uh, you. Tim, you you travel the world chasing storms and then the swell that comes after them. But having watched you for a long, long time, you spend a lot of time in Nazare in Portugal. Is that the is that mm. the capital city of big waves? Well, it's the home of the world's biggest ride of a wave. So... That's a, that's a given. There are places like I've always said that big wave surfing is really, you know, we're still in its infancy. You know, um, there's been some people that you know loved the adrenaline rush of catching a big wave, but it was never really a a very famous. I mean, it was famous for what people could see on on TV or on 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 now, of course, on social media, because it kind of resonates for the general person. They look at something, you know, someone riding a really big wave and they go, "Oh, wow, that's big." But really, as a sport and a paid sport, it's not really, it really hasn't come on to, like, there's very uh, small amount of people that actually pay uh, for their mortgage, for so, so to speak, with um, a, the living that they generate from big wave surfing. So I still believe that big wave surfing is very uh, early. And, um, but as far as location is concerned, Nazare has really been put on the map because it really is the home of the world's biggest rideable wave and it's more the consistency of it and that's what makes it really uh, special and it's only because it has a, 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 a channel outside the wave like a, a canyon that actually when the waves hit the the canyon which is like the, you could imagine the grand canyon under the ocean when the ocean swirls come from a certain direction they bounce out of the canyon three times bigger than than if it was just a flat ocean floor so if you've got a flat ocean floor, it's going to be 20 foot. If you've got the canyon, it's coming out of the canyon um, from a certain direction. So it really can't come directly through the canyon. It's got to kind of bounce out like if you push 
water in your bath to the side of the, the bath, it's kind of pushing outwards, you know, and bigger than the, your hand, you know. Uh, but if you just push it straight down the middle of the bath, it doesn't really make that big wave. But if you push it to the side, it creates these great big teepee waves, and that's what Nazare is famous for. And when you get those world record rides, there's been two or three world record nominations, two by the men and one by a lady, then um, you know that the waves are, um, are super big. And the biggest wave has been, I think, 87 feet. Don't ask me that in metres. I'm sort of used to the feet over here, yeah. even though it is metric. Um, so 87 feet for Sebastian Studner. And then before that, uh, about six years ago, Rodrigo Corsia got an 80-foot wave. So, And then there's Maya Gabras. She got, I think, a 76-foot wave uh, during an event a couple of years ago too. So Maya's got a world record for the tallest ride, uh, rideable ridden wave. And um, but they they were talking about Justine Dupont rode a really big wave in California at a place called Pedro um, uh, Cortez Bank, I should say. And uh, but I don't think that's big enough. So yeah, Nazare is just um, an amazing place for big waves, but more so for the consistency of those waves. Having watched a lot of videos from Nazare, some days it's got a really nice. Uh, how could I put it, surfable face. Other times it's like it's got a mind of its own with juts and ridges and they are completely bouncing down. Like the the height of the wave is one thing, but the width and the volume of water that's behind these guys, they look like they look like toothpicks in a blender just having a, a desire for a date with their destiny. And I, and I wrote down here it's a mixture of uh, when danger meets adventure and when bravery meets stupidity. What what goes mm. what goes on in these guys? What's their purpose? What's their drive to put themselves, uh, some of them, on death's door? Sometimes, I think it's just uh, you know. I mean, Nazare is kind of unique because it does generate a lot of surfers that don't really know to surf. So that's the negative thing about toe surfing. You get a lot of kind of well, in another word, they call them kooks. But then you know, I mean, I don't want to point the finger at people, I just say that there's a lot of inexperienced surfers that can get behind a jet ski with a tow rope and get towed into a wave. So if you can surf a wave, then you can be towed into a monster wave. And if you get documented in that, that's a lot of lot of vibrato, you know, from uh, feeling like you've surfed the biggest wave ever. But really, they don't have the experience to do so. So they're the ones that we don't like. To we don't really believe that they should be there in the lineup. But you can't not stop them from coming, you know. And, you know, when, like, the thing about Nazare is you just can't turn up and make it happen for yourself. You really need a team. So it's a real team wave. So ideally, you want at least two skis. So one, obviously, to tow you into that wave, and then another one backing up uh, for water security. So whenever something goes down, then uh, there's two of you looking for that person um, after the wave is complete. So. On a perfect day, they'll normally kick out in the channel. But like for the swell that's coming next week, which we're all pretty excited about, the direction of the swell is not that great. And what happens is the waves don't have that many openings, gaps, to allow you to get out of that wave in a hurry. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of scary for me because I'm, I've been spending quite a bit of time shooting off a jet ski and you need a really good driver. And, and I don't have a backup ski, so if something happens, 
um, it's more likely the driver is going to have to pick me up. So yeah, it's a bit. All this kind of stuff is really important um, to for water safety. For a really good surfer, you really do need um, at least two skis: one to drive you into the wave, and the other one to pick you up. But of course, the driver is normally the person who will pick you up. But there's another guy just in case and doing water security. You know, so um, yeah, there's some really good surfers here. And there's some pretty darn average ones. That, and you can see them that most of the really average ones are really just going straight. They're not really surfing the wave. They're just going in a direction for survival and probably got their fingers crossed that someone got the shot. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a bit um, unique in that space. But, um, um, and, you know, um, and, and stuff does go on here. And there's been a death for the first time only about six, seven weeks ago. Um, um, Marcio, um, a, a guy uh, drowned here, and um, and he didn't have the right flotation, I believe. So um, yeah, it's um, it's very very dangerous wave, no doubt. And uh, you know, we knew that that was going to happen eventually, and it happened just lately. Um, I watched, uh, you put up a video, I actually just watched it this morning and it was the biggest wipeout guy whose name escapes me, sorry, but um, I clicked on the video and I saw it was 22 minutes long and I thought, oh, I'm not going to be able to get through this. I could not put it down, Tim. The, uh, the storytelling. CJ Matthias. Yes, Mateus. his one. Oh my so, God. So, I know. Well, you know, CJ is, uh, he, 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 like, no disrespect, but he, he, He's a guy that was introduced to this wave a long time ago, so now he's got the experience, right? And he's very good friends with Garrett, and due to the fact that he's um, he, he uh, like uh, Garrett married his sister, CJ's sister, Nicole. So, um, and I think back in those days, I think Garrett really didn't because he was new to the spot, and there wasn't many people surfing, so he was probably looking for victims. <laughs> but CJ. CJ was in this event that they have here for a company out of Brazil and um, and they ran a two-day event and CJ got into this wave and it just, the A-frame, the direction of it, really made the wave sit up really quickly and so he had to control his speed and, of course, he went so fast down that wave that he must have hit a bit of a bump and lost his balance and then just wiped out really hard at the bottom of the wave and then that whole 60 foot wave landed on top of him and then the description that he gives is incredibly riveting you know like and you know i mean he's uh one of the featured surfers that they followed a lot of in the hundred foot wave so he really doesn't have an issue with being in front of a camera and he can really let loose um and let his heart hang out in relation to what happens? He doesn't. He doesn't sort of get scared how to tell, talk about stuff in front of a camera. And so, I, I I knew that this wipeout was a pretty crazy situation he went through because of the. Uh, it wasn't just like the wipeout, but everything else that happened after. I mean, he thought he broke his arm, but really he dislocated his uh, elbow, and he, he just thought it was all kind of like life-threatening, you know, life-ending while he was down. But he seemed to keep it together. But yeah, if you get an opportunity to go to my YouTube account, Surfing Visions, to check that interview out, that's probably one of the most riveting interviews I've ever documented in any 
uh, of the uh, 45 years of me shooting surfing. Yeah, I agree. I, I couldn't put it down. Maybe a little bit late for work, but I just couldn't put it down. Then the other thing I did, Tim, was I went to your Surfing Visions YouTube and I sorted it by most popular. And your most watched one, over 7 million views, is um, Code Red Tahiti Biggest Swell. And I watched mm. that, and that to me gave me an appreciation how different waves can be around the world. Now, that wasn't – it was big, but it was um, – is it wide, deep, the amount of water behind the surfer? And even like a world-class surfer like like Mick Potter said, they are effing stupid going out in that. And the lady... Yeah, uh, sorry, yeah. And, and the lady uh, sitting next to me, she was looking over my shoulder. She goes, oh, my God, they are crazy. So how, yeah. how different... Do you have steep, thin waves? Do you have shorter, fat waves? What's the differentiation oh, mate, mate. Well, you know, that's the beauty of the sport, and that's why I love it so much, because I've always said that the waves are the star, but the surfers are there to enhance it. So really, I'm there. As long as there's waves that are really big and dramatic, then, then I'll be there regardless if there's surfers there or not. I mean, obviously... You know, without surfing, you don't have a sport and, you know, people want to see the sport and see people, you know, kind of taking on these crazy waves. But uh, what makes um, all this big wave surfing so unique is there's so many facets of the genre. Mm. So, you know, like when you look at Piahi, you know, which is um, Jaws in Maui, that's probably the premier big wave paddle spot, right? So... And they have WSL, the World Surf League, has an event there, and it's about paddling into the biggest waves um, that people can get into. And it does get, create very, very big waves. And it does get to a point when it's too windy and it's too big and toe surfing takes over. And they did have the swell they had, the Eddie Cow earlier um, this year. Then that day was probably not a good paddle day and uh, because it was – too much wind blowing up the face. The boards need to be super long. And with all that wind blowing into your face, it doesn't let the board get down and more than likely you're going to have a really serious wipeout. So so, so PA, famous for its paddling. Waimea is pretty much the main birthplace of big wave surfing that really became notable. And it was not just, I mean, Greg Knoll put, helped put that on the, on the map. And then they ran the event in honour of an incredible lifeguard, a Hawaiian lifeguard, Eddie Arkow, who has saved many, many lives, and he died in the line of fire. Um, and so that in recognition of that legend, um, they created the Eddie Arkow Big Wave event at Waimea Bay because that was one of the places that he spent all his time lifeguarding. Um, so that's a paddle spot. But then you've got waves that, hit these reefs very abruptly in Australia we're very famous for some of these waves and they're called slabs and the slabs are more likely to create a bow like a really big tube and a very thick lip and it doesn't allow you to normally paddle into these waves unless um, they're not too big but once they get over 15 feet most of the time you're going to see guys behind a jet ski getting towed into these waves and when Chopu gets to like the the day it did in 2011 was um, Code Red. That was probably the most dramatic day in big wave surfing in relation to slab surfing, right? So that went down in history and some of the craziest waves, like the most crazy wave that went down wasn't even completed. Yet Nathan Fletcher 
rode the craziest wave ever there, and he'll go, his name will go down in history, even though he didn't ride the wave through. You know, so you can be still really famous from riding a wave in that kind of genre of the sport and not succeed. You know, or you could be famous from maybe a hideous wipeout. You know, and there's been a few hideous wipeouts there that kind of help create a surfer's reputation because of that that you know the uh, you know the the, da- the data that goes out the, uh, the photographs the videos the social media of a, a crazy wipeout like you know I could list a few of them so um, that's chopu and that's a slab it's a reef it hits the reef very abruptly and uh, jet skis are necessary and Australia has a number of incredible slab waves that, that are mind-boggling, you know. And so we're talking about Shipsterns Bluff in Tasmania, the right at Warpole in Western Australia, which is about seven hours from Perth. Um, and then we've got a bunch of slabs around the east coast of Australia that um, resonate quite a bit, but not as much as Shipsterns or the right. And we're talking about Cape Salander uh, in Sydney and then Depot Reef, which is down past Aladala. So all these waves are very good on their day and with the right winds and the right period. And the period, if you don't know what period means, is like the storms are very, very uh, intense storm. It'll send a very solid period, which makes makes the, 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 the surf very powerful. And when it's powerful, it creates a bigger wave. So if you've got a really big period in a wave, then you're going to see some really big waves. And uh, that's what we've got coming to Nazare and the um, west coast of Portugal and probably a shitload of other places around <laughs> the Atlantic as well. So, um, yeah, we're all pretty excited about what's coming. And you'll see all that translate on my social media, on uh, on Surfing Visions on YouTube and on my Instagram on um, Tim Benith and Surfing Swell Chasers. Uh, talking to Tim Benithan, um, you say swell chasers. I, I feel like you're a storm chaser as well. So how good's your meteorological skills? Are you always looking at maps? Because I think at the drop of the, hat, drop of the hat the other day, you just took off to Ireland because there was a storm out there. <laughs> well, you know, that's the problem with um, the Atlantic is when there's a storm out there, it kind of um, ends up going everywhere, you know. like so. But obviously, you know, you've got a, a number of things you've got to um, – you've got to tick a number of boxes you've got to tick. And so you really want the winds to be the right direction. So you want the winds for Mulligmore, which is um, up up in Saigo, up in the top end of Ireland. You want the winds to be south. Um, and then you want a really good period as well, no more than the west direction around 15 seconds. And there all the boxes you tick and go, you know, it's going to be really good. Um, at Mulligmore and there's a couple of other waves we doc- document one other wave that we documented outside there which is sort of out in the middle it's about 7k's out to sea from Mulligmore which has never been documented wow. in any detail before but it really the way that place works it's called St John's when the way that place works is that um, it, you don't want any wind at all you know and that's the same kind of situation you need at a number of big wave spots and that's including uh, the Cortez Bank in California, because it's way out to sea. Uh, Pedro Branca down in, um, off Tasmania, 27Ks off the bottom of Tasmania. And, yeah, there's a stack of those waves. And this wave, yeah, needs no wind. So it's very, very rare to 
to break and you want it over 40 foot, you know, like, so four or five metres, um, and it comes out of deep ocean and just hits these reefs and creates a really big wave. So, yeah, I went up there and um, got three days of really good surf and, um, you know, sometimes you just have to uh, expect that you're going to miss really good waves from where we came from. Um, but sometimes you can surf a swell there and then you've got to kind of catch the next flight back from uh, Dublin. And Dublin's about four hours from or three and a half hours from Saigo or from Mulligmore back to Dublin and then catch a flight um, back. But it's just so draining it's to, to be shooting all day and then to catch a flight like at four in the morning, which is the way it works. For, for going out of Dublin to Lisbon and then and then race down to, to Nazareth. It's doable, but you almost feel like you need people to drive the car or I don't know. Just, <laughs> I just, I'm too old now to, to chase swirls like that. I I can do it, but, I, you know, I'm 64 now, so kind of like, you know, I want to, um, I, I, I have to be a little bit more calculated and um, you don't want to make too many mistakes because you could if you're um, pushing yourself too hard. Do you just live your life in Airbnbs nearby big swells? Do you have a permanent residence, or are you just always on the hunt? Yeah, I do. I have an apartment. I have an apartment here in um, in Nazareth, and so we have that Airbnb while I'm not here. So uh, that's um, that really works well for us. And uh, my, I'm married to a French lady, and we've been happily married for 25 years. And and um, when when I came here for the first time, I just went. This is a no-brainer, this is the place to be and the history was just beginning and just, um, you know, to make it uh, so Sandra and my wife comes here and we have children and one of my kids are actually still in France. At the moment, I've got a 23-year-old son, Tristan, and then Max and um, just to return back to Australia a couple of weeks ago and my wife's back in Australia. But So we all come up here and stay in the apartment while I'm here for, the, for um, part of the season. I'm here all season. And then Sandrine flies to France, to the southwest of France, and connects with the uh, the family there. And like last Christmas, we had them all come down here, and so we it was a good timing because the surf was pretty small, <laughs> and so everyone was here. So I spent a lot of time with the family, and it was good right right through um, like the last half of December and into right through January was pretty bad. And like this season's been really weird. This season, it's kind of like. Everything was really firing in November and the first week of December. And then after that, it, the winds went weird. It started raining a lot. Um, swells dropped out. But, yeah, I went I went to the Canary Islands and I uh, went to Madeira. And, um, yeah, there's other places to go. But, yeah, it's just been a real – like the two best months of the year to come here is December, January. Right. And December, January are pretty much the worst for the, you know, the season. Finally, Tim, um, have you come across any Kiwis uh, in the big uh, wave world? Doug Young. Dougie Young, mate. I yep. know Dougie Young. Yeah, so um, Doug, Doug's, um, he, he was, I think he, I spent a bit of time with him in Tahiti. And Sam Hawke is another guy um, that comes to mind. Uh, but, yeah, no, I've been really keen to go down. There's a few big waves down the South Island. Yeah. But even yeah. colder than, like, probably similar conditions to, to Ireland, you know, like a bit of snow on the beach and super cold air, you know. I mean, when you're out on the lineup at uh, Mulligmore, you know, it's like three degrees and, and then with a howling southwest wind, it's like minus seven. Mm-hmm. And so within 
five minutes, your hands have already gone numb. You don't even know if you're pushing the record button because your fingers are dead, you know, like you just can't feel them. So you're kind of pushing from the inside, hoping that you're getting, as long as you see that little red button in the viewfinder, you know you're doing it. But, um, <laughs> yeah, no, I haven't seen a lot of big wave surfers, but I know they exist down there on the South Island. Yeah. And I'm sure there's some big wave spots, you know, in, in uh, on the North Island. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, so think. Guy Mack is another guy who's really well known up there for filming. So follow Guy Mack. He's a lovely guy and a very passionate big wave surfer. Fantastic. Yeah, down, uh, filmer, I should say. Yeah, down off the Catlins, I think, the bottom southeast coast of New Zealand is where the big ones are over here. Hey, Tim, yeah, it's been, yep. um, I've been following you for a long time and I just love love what you produce. It's high quality. It's highly engaging and entertaining. And um, I'm pleased to be able to, well, honoured actually to get you on my show today. I, it was a long shot, but you replied and said you'd love to. So uh, I really, really appreciate it. You're in a, you're in a gnarly no community, I, I guess, mate. So um, I really appreciate your time today. So when, when you go online to uh, check that interview out, have a look around some of the videos I did. There's a couple of Nazare videos I did from the lineup, and that's what I love to do is shoot in the water. And if you go online and, you know, make sure you subscribe and leave us a comment, that'd be great. Great to catch up with Tim of Swell Chasers. That's where you can find him on Instagram or Surfing Visions has got his own YouTube channel. James Harden Watch, we need him to score 21 points or less. Um, there's 10 minutes to go and he's on 21 points. <laughs> So uh, we need no more with 10 minutes to go. We'll take some new sport and weather. In the next half hour, we're going to catch up with Jimmy Smith across the ditch, find out what's been wetting their appetite. No further wickets for New Zealand either. We'll give you a score update on that and on Lydia and anything else we find that you might find interesting. So 3.30 News, here's Johnny. Ladies and gentlemen, I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. What's making news around the world? Well, in Philadelphia this afternoon, uh, staff, <laughs> James Harden's just sunk a free throw to take him to 22 points, thus scuttling Show Me the Money's uh, bet from yesterday. 21.5, we needed him to be under. Um, and he's on 22. Yeah, they'll, like you just said before, they'll sit him, won't they? Yeah, they'll sit him down now and go, OK, line's been beaten. James, yep. you can go to the club. Um, ah, look, it's fish and chips, mate. It's last week's news, so we'll just move on. Uh, the crisp manufacturer Walkers, they're over in the UK. They were running a new competition, staff, mm-hmm. Um And basically the idea was they had put a heart-shaped crisp in a Walkers uh, chips packet. And if you found it, you would win £100,000. Wow. Now, how the hell would you ever find it? Because when you're eating chips, you're not looking at the... They bust for a start well, in for, transit. For a start. I'd, um, I'd straight away get the scissors out on a chip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but one woman has made the mistake of her life after she found one of these chips. No. What did she <laughs> that do? could have earned her $100,000. And she ate it, then checked the back of the pack. Oh! Oh! <laughs> Can you imagine that? Just showing you, mate. Oh, look at this. Look at this. Looks, Never looks seen like one like this before. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it reminded me of a story that I've told before on the station, um, but it's just, this reminded me so much of this. It was a uh, my stepmother. She loves when I retell the story. Uh, she She's a chef. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, she cooked for Edmund Hillary. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so she said, oh, what can I do? Like, I need 
do I get a selfie with them? What do I do? She got a $5 note out of the tell at the restaurant she worked at. She went and um, got Sir Ed to sign the $5 note. How cool is that? That is amazing. And immediately takes the value of that $5 note from $5. Through the moon. Through the roof. Still got it? She came home uh, a couple of nights later, and her mother was staying with her at that time. And she wanted to show her mum, I've got this $5 note. So she said, mum, I've got this $5 note. It's been signed by Sir Edmund Hillary. I left it on the coffee table. Have you seen it? And her mum goes, oh, my God. <laughs> that, I, just, I just bought some butter. That night, she put it through the pokies. No! <laughs> <laughs> so somewhere out there in circulation, there's a $5 note signed by Sir Ed. Um, and I've been going to RSA pokies every every weekend <laughs> since, trying to find it back again. Oh. That's heartbreaking. Didn't even get a feature on the pokies. <laughs> Didn't hit the jackpot. Oh, I've got a similar one for you, yeah. if we've got time. We do. We've got a couple of minutes. When Michael Jackson's album Dangerous came out, mm-hmm. um, a New Zealand leatherwear company was commissioned to make 10 Michael Jackson Dangerous Napa leather jackets. Okay. Right? Yeah. Um, numbered 1 to 10. And because they were made in New Zealand, Epic, who were the record label, said one can go can stay in New Zealand. Yeah. Um, and so everyone that buys the Michael Jackson Dangerous album goes in the draw to win the jacket. Long story short, I went into Record Hunter and Palmy, bought the Michael Jackson one. About four months later, you won the Michael Jackson oh. jacket. So I had it in my wardrobe. So that that was many, 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 many years ago. And I thought this is going to be worth a lot of money. I'll keep it till he dies. Yeah. Michael Jackson died. Went to the wardrobe, pulled out the Michael Jackson jacket, green with mould. And the mould had eaten holes through it, took it to a leather repair person. They said, it's beyond help, can't fix it. My Michael Jackson jacket, one of ten, went in the wheelie bin. Oh, no. (laughs) It was beautiful too. I never wore it. Never, ever wore it. Well, it was a collector's item, wasn't it? It was. Uh, well, that's all we've got time for today on What's Making News. We've got to get to Jimmy Smith after the uh, after the air break. We do. Uh, we'll have a quick air break. Jimmy Smith across, uh, and I can see Beavers hit the studio. Kimberly Downs in the office. She's not afraid of fronting up. Beavers got the Chiefs flag up behind him, getting ready for a big night. I'm very much looking forward to Super Rugby. What if Jimmy Smith will ask me about Super Rugby, whether it's caused any ripples in Australia? We'll find out when we catch up with the great man after the break. Keeping an eye on the women's PGA, Lydia Ko is leading. She is three under through five, three birdies, two pars on an absolute tier. All the other players on seven under haven't teed off yet, but Lydia finds herself at the top of the leaderboard. I'll give you the cricket update, but I'll probably have to give it to Jimmy Smith when he joins it, so I don't want to double up. And James Harden's well over 21, 22 points. He's on fire. So we'll keep our ears out for Jimmy Smith. It's usually about now I can roast him for being late because he's now 9 seconds, 10 seconds, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. I wonder when Jimmy's going to be yeah, there. Well, 20. Tell, oh, there I, he is. What I was, no, I was there at 12, okay. <laughs> and I thought, you know what was running through my head? Good afternoon to you, Staffy. Yes. Uh, you know what I thought to my, I wonder whether Staffy will pick me up on being late to crosses in a row and there you are counting which is hey i believe you got to 19 then which is a bit of a breakthrough so well done to you <laughs> i was running i had one toe left <laughs> 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 i didn't know what i was going to do hey, after uh, that. 
I know Sammy and the team are very helpful too. I'm sure he was there with the shoes off, ready to go for, yeah. if it did get to 21. So uh, nice work on that. Hey, how good was it? You know, or oh, here we go, here we go. Second test match. Looks like we're going to be doing some good things. Or oh, three for 20. Nice start. Nice start. Uh-oh. <laughs> Neck minute. <laughs> Neck minute baseball. <laughs> I tell you what, this Harry Brook character, um, oh. he's not playing for us, but, geez, I'm impressed with him. My word, 136 off 131 balls, three sixes, 18 fours. Thank you very much. At 24 years of age, he's averaging just shy of 80 just going into this test match. Yeah, so yeah. He's, he's blown that apart. And he was really impressive for that T20 World Cup win as well too. So, like, he's doing it in all forms. And as you say, it's, it's often in sport, uh, and you see this so often, but I reckon it takes time to recognise it, mm. that his style of batting comes at the right time when Brendan McCullum arrives as the coach of England. Yeah, you know, timing. It's amazing eh? how that happens at times. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, you know, there's the other ones like your Jonah Lomu. Like, <laughs> I don't care who's coach. When Jonah arrives, it's the right time, right? But <laughs> yeah, who wants to coach counties? I will. <laughs> who wants to coach the Chiefs? I will. <laughs> Our technic has passed the ball to Jonah. Yeah. That, that's exactly right. Uh, wasn't that the famous letter from the? Was it a fourteen-year-old boy? Um, to, it, 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 on the eve of the nineteen ninety-five rugby world cup final, that you play as a team and all fourteen of you pass the ball. Yeah, to Jonah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not too far wrong. Not too far wrong oh, at all. Um, so a little bit difficult for New Zealand at the moment. Uh, the second test at Wellington, but of course. The Super Rugby Pacific season starts tonight as well. So we've got a cracking game um, and there's nothing else on. They've got a lot of clear air, the Waratahs and the Brumbies. They've got a sparkly new stadium and it's a Rugby World Cup year. So I'm anticipating a huge crowd and a big viewership of this one. What about over in New Zealand? Is there the same level of expectation, Staffy? Oh, they are, New Zealand public are absolutely frothing this because we've had so much muck lathering conversation around our coaching. I just want to see our players going out and play. And I don't think they could have matched up the opening night. You're right, Waratahs, Brumbies, the two best teams in Australia, and the Crusaders and Chiefs, arguably Crusaders best, Chiefs, Blues, maybe second equal, but down in Christchurch, the Chiefs love going down there and playing. We've been hanging out for this for a long, long time. And matchups all over the park. Richie Morgan, the all-black first five, for the Crusaders. Damian McKenzie, who had a season in Japan last year, he's coming back, wants to have a crack at the 10 jersey for the World Cup. He's playing for the Ooh. Chiefs. Um, great midfielders. Uh, it's um, that match. If you can, Jimmy, uh, um, watch that Crusaders-Chiefs match. Sold out stadium. Um, and it, every every local derby now this year, and it'll be the same for you guys, it's, it's an all-black trial. It's a wallaby trial. You've got to outplay yeah, your opposite yeah. if you want to go to the Cup. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's good, isn't it, mm. uh, from mm. that point of view? So the Crusaders would be favourite at home, right? Yeah, they're favourite home or away just about every time. They're, they're such a juggernaut and so much depth, and you have to tip your hat to how they're, they're going for seven wins in a row in Super Rugby, for God's sake. Wow, wow. Mm. Um, that's St George Dragons-like, uh, 11 straight uh, premierships. Um, we've got some Swivel, who's not in Sydney. He's blowing up because his young bloke's going to the rugby tonight and Swivel's not. I don't know. Where are you, Swivel? You better let us know. But um, <laughs> can you ask Staffy to rate the New Zealand Super Rugby sides, please, and have a good weekend? Or I reckon he's done that, Swivel. So, um, they, hey, I, I tell you what was a feature of 
Super Rugby in previous years when there were Rugby World Cups is that there was a lot of resting of players at the instruction mm. of All Blacks. Is that going to happen again too? Yeah, they they have this rest and rotation and managed minutes and and it does our head in over here. When you look at the NRL players, you get someone like Cameron Smith who plays Melbourne, um, Origin, and then Kangaroos, and, and they play about, I don't know, 60 more hours of rugby than a rugby player has to rest and rotate. We hate it over here as a rugby public. Some coaches won't toe the line with the All Blacks. Dave Rennie at the Chiefs, for one. Chris Boyd, when they won uh, for the Hurricanes, he didn't employ it. He said, mate, I'm not here to make the All Blacks win. I'm here to make the Hurricanes win. See you later, yeah. All Blacks coach. And I like that, you know? I can just imagine Brad Fittler telling Craig Bellamy, Craig, yeah. could you rest a couple of players? Because I'm thinking about picking them for the origin. Or <laughs> or could you play that guy? Because I'm thinking about, nah, thanks very much, Brad. Mm. But, uh, I, I won't be doing that. So, yeah, it's extraordinary how it works. It is. Way. What about the Warriors, mate? We know they've got the Super Rugby and they've got their, well, the clear air in Australia. It's always clear air over there in New Zealand for it. But um, much talk around the Warriors and uh, what their anticipated round one lineup is going to be and what, what the season holds for them. Yeah, they haven't been too public. I think there's a few niggling injuries in there. I think Luke Metcalf's got a hamstring injury. The, the big yeah. spotlight, as per usual, is going to be Sean Johnson. What version of Sean Johnson have we got? Got some good youngsters who maybe this year's a development year, but um, I don't know if you know how in English football they always say it's coming home. In New Zealand, every year, our, our catchphrase for the Warriors, it's our year. And I'm just going to play you something, Jimmy, um, because they oh, yeah. brought out a song because they said, just keep the faith. We'd come last, wouldn't make play. Just keep the faith, keep the faith. So they brought out this song. Because it's a matter of faith. That's faith. It's just a matter of faith. Yeah, so that, that went to number one on the New Zealand charts. It's just it a matter of not. faith. It did. Yeah, it, it did not. It was a bunch of South. Auckland boys who put that song together and it became the theme song for the Warriors for a couple of years. And then Vodafone, uh, that became their advertising campaign as well. It was great. Oh, wow. Because mm. uh, it's the Vodafone Warriors, of course. Uh, about, to be the of one New, about to be the One New Zealand Warriors. Vodafone's changing their name to One New Zealand over here very soon. Oh, it's been a long time since New Zealand's been number one in anything. I don't know why they'd... Come on, that. Number one squash player in the world, world championship netball. Oh, is that the time? Do you, are you about to hang up on me? Do you want me to keep going? 14, 15, 16, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to stop at 20. I'm yeah. going to stop at 20. <laughs> yeah. Good on you, Staffy. Hey, Jimmy, have a great weekend. Uh, you too, buddy. There he is, uh, Mark Staffy. Jimmy Smith. Love talking to Jimmy. He's such a good man. Such a good man. We'll take a break. We'll have a look back at what happened uh, back in the day before we hand over to the run home. Here's what happened back in the day. And that day, of course, is February 24, 1967. Philadelphia's all-time great Wilt Chamberlain shot 18 for 18 from the field in a 149-118 home win series over the Bullets, which set an NBA record for the most field goals without missing one. And it still stands. In 2010... My favourite batsman to watch of all time. He was 36 at the time. The Master Blaster Sashin became the first player to score 200 in an ODI. Gets it. First man on the planet to reach 200. And it's the Superman from India. Sachin Tendulkar. 200 from 147. 
Yep, 147 balls include 25 fours and three sixes. Uh, birthdays today, Mike Fratello turning 76, NBA coach and analyst. Floyd Maidweather Jr. is turning 46 today. Leighton Hewitt, 42. And Will Jordan, all-black fullback, hopefully, is turning 25 today. On this day, in 1991, the number one movie, one of the greats, The Silence of the Lambs, and one of the great voices of all time had the number one song. Oh, that is pure. Whitney Houston, uh, 237 for three. Uh, the Black Caps, sorry, the Black Caps, that's what they're looking at on the scoreboard. That's what England are. Lydia Coe still atop the leaderboard. The run home. Thank you, Manaya. Thank you, Basimo. Catch you Monday.